We're live, Holden. You can start at any time. What? We're live. You can start at any time. Oh, you were live. Oh, I was <laughs> I looking at the computer. I didn't tell you just because I wanted the water pour to be the very first thing. <laughs> Welcome to episode 218 of Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass roving gaming podcast from Affable Idiots. I am Holden Depardo, and I'm here with the co-host of the century. You gotta you host the century. That's, that's your move to go. Carl Sagan. <laughs> I'm Chad Michael Innes, owner of every legendary Pokemon ever. <laughs> Ooh, that's a big deal. Mm. That's mm. a very big deal. That's a bigger deal than Carl Sagan to be very well, blunt. To like be Carl honest. Sagan, you did some cool stuff, but did you have every legendary Pokemon, Carl Sagan? I don't think so. TBH, put 10 male people in front of me. Can't tell you which one's Carl Sagan. I don't even know what he, like, does he have long hair, short hair? Is he white, black, Latinx? I don't know. I just know the name. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually seen all the early episodes of uh, Cosmos with Carl Sagan. It's good shit. I don't think you're thinking of the right thing. Is that Neil deGrasse yes, Tyson you're thinking of? Neil deGrasse Tyson did a reboot or a remake of Cosmos, which was originally a Shut Carl Sagan show. Shut the fuck up. Yep. All right. That's well, our, while that's you Carl introduce Sagan's the show, famous. I'm going to look up what Carl Sagan looks like. Oh, fuck. Now everyone's seeing that. Damn it. <laughs> and people should look up an awesome video he did. It's on YouTube. It's like 10 minutes long where he explains what the fourth dimension is. And it's like the best explanation ever. I don't think you could ever watch that and then not know what the fourth dimension is. It was, it was awesome. It was great. I think about it all the time. Anyway. Anyway, none of that matters because this is Respawning Fire, a video game podcast with the dreamiest fan base of all time joining us from across the world right now. You can also catch us on Twitch Sunday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, just like right now. Matter of fact, we're a little early. It's 8.22 p.m. Eastern Time. But if you can't catch us then, we're also on YouTube and podcast services Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. He, Carl have, Sagan does not look like what I thought Carl Sagan would look like. He you, looks like a professor. I've always just thought of it. Why? I think it's because when I hear Carl Sagan, I think Carl Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, different person? What are you talking about? They are different people. <laughs> I was going to say, Carl Sagan, Carl Sagan looks, he dresses like, well, he dressed probably past tense. Is he dead? Carl Sagan, <laughs> Carl Sagan dressed like he might have been British. Loved turtlenecks. Loved turtlenecks with no. He's not know, British, but that's what I mean. He looks like a professor. He was always wearing like a turtleneck yeah. and a nice little jacket or something. Like he has that very professor vibe to him. Yeah, which I guess would make sense because you know he's an educator of sorts. In almost every picture of him on Google Images, there are stars and planets in the background. Was did he always present from space? Yeah, he he's he's the star child from 2001: A Space Odyssey. He was born in oh space, and he stayed up there. And that's why that's why they made a show called Cosmos about him because it's like, hey, Carl, tell us about your home. What's the cosmos like? I thought it was about that episode of Fairly Odd Parents where Cosmo accidentally clones himself. No, that's a reboot of Cosmos with Carl Sagan. <laughs> Is everything just a reboot of Cosmos with Carl Sagan? <laughs> Everything is a reboot of Star Wars is a violent version of Cosmos. It's just like 
It's the stars and wars. It added a little <laughs> bit extra, but it's still a reboot. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny, um, Holden. So, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to roll today. I even had some great ones before we even recorded. You did. You had, a, you had a great little setup for a sketch that you'll never make that you told me, and it was hilarious. It was very yeah, good. It was very, very funny. It was very good. Um, okay, so we actually have some some big some big shit to talk about here at the the very beginning. Um, I was thinking of like, hey, how am I going to say this? How am I going to talk about this on... Um, the podcast and I'm like I'll make a statement and I'm like I'm not gonna make a statement about this I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna just gonna say it um some of you already know some of you might already know what I'm gonna say because of this stumbling introduction <laughs> to it um I think it's wonderful that you um, have a child I'm gonna go ahead and say it so you don't have to say it because I know how difficult <laughs> it is you're pregnant I get it and I'm, yep I am pregnant I am pregnant with emotion right now that is for sure um because this is a big change um I am I've been wanting to pursue game development for a long time, and a little, little backstory in this too. Every time I've started the grind, it's always been like, I I know I always wanted to start like game development. I start the grind, and then I'd be like, no, I can do this. And then I get like one or two episodes in, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> I need to, this isn't for me, this is, what I wanted to, this is what I wanted to do. And I kept always thinking about, I want to go into game development, but I've never been able to make the time for it. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of reached a point where, with my school learning how to code, you know, I'm kind of realized like learning game development actually be really beneficial for even my schooling. It's something I really, really need to do. But in order to do that, I need to step away from respawn aim fire. So this is actually my third to last episode on the show. Um, Chad will remain. Respawn aim fire will remain. There's going to be a brand new co-host, which is to be determined. And I think I want to pass off to Chad for that portion of it because. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I did a terrible job saying all that, but I said it. It's out You did great. It's a thing. You said it, and that's what matters, and that's wonderful. I'm very proud of you, Holden, (laughs) because uh, there are are so many times in my life where I have said, oh, man, I wish I was better at blank, or I wish I was better at blank number two or blank number three, but I never had the introspection to realize that in order to get better at those things, I had to make sacrifices elsewhere. And so... To make that choice and to say, hey, I've, I have to step away from this wonderful thing that we've built over the last four years is a, a really difficult one. And a really, uh, it's, a, it's a very, I don't know how to say it. Like, it's terrifying. It's a very mature choice. Frank. Yeah. And, and it terrifying. could be scary. It, it, yeah, and you're not leaving scary. forever. Um, you're always invited back, obviously, as a guest of the show. But Oh, I already have a mentalist of like, I want to be back for these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the mentalist when, when, uh, starring Metroid, What's Her Face. Yeah, when, when a Metroid Dread comes out, I want to be there and talk about that. When Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, God, we got to talk about it. I got to hear how you hate that one, too. I got to be there for that. Um, um, so I wanted to say that up front. I really appreciate that. that. That means a lot because it is a scary move. But I also want to say that I don't think that I would be on this path if I hadn't been doing the podcast. I'm kind of notorious in my life. Not notorious. I For me, this is notorious for me. I, I'm really bad at committing to things and like staying on like one path for a long time. And it was kind of through your friendship here and doing this podcast that like I really learned how to stay committed to something for a longer period of time because it totally would have been possible that when I moved um, to Rhode Island away from Chicago, 
um, that this was going to end. And I think you kind of even suspected it was probably going to end. But it was really, honestly, just because of um, you kind of wanting to maintain this, me wanting to you know, still be friends with you and communicate with you and, and keep doing that. I'm like, no, we're going to keep doing this. And that kind of helped me with, hey, when I persist with something, I feel like I get better at it. And over four years, I feel like we both have made something really, really great. And it's knowing that makes me feel better about I'm going to suck at game development for a very long time. <laughs> but if I stick with it in four years, I'll look back just like I'm looking back at our first episode of Respawning Fire and being like, wow, that first episode was not great. <laughs> but we got better and better and better and better. And we learned so much through that that learning process. And I'm like, I can do this next step because of everything I did with Chad. So thank you for 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 being there and and helping me grow. I'm excited to see what you have for your very first game that probably only you and maybe a couple of your close friends will see and then we'll never release to <laughs> the public ever again. Just like Mariah Carey's yes. song Where Are You Christmas that she wrote and recorded but <laughs> legally could not release so therefore Faith Hill recorded it as well. With that being said, it's if you're listening to this and you're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Who's the next special guest going to be? We have no fucking clue. <laughs> we have no idea who's going to be the next co-host of Respawn Aim Fire and possibly other things at Affable Idiots. What does that mean? If you're interested in it or you know someone who would be a good fit for this, we would love to give some people some trial runs. So please have them reach out to us at uh, any of our email addresses. You can go to affableidiots.com and, and there's a bunch of contact methods there as well. Um... So definitely have them reach out. We are looking for... Here's, here's a couple of ground rules that I want to set for anyone who's interested. One, I'd love for you to be able to make a weekly commitment, maybe about five hours a week-ish of, of you know podcasting for two, two and a half hours, plus maybe some, some prep work or maybe some post-production work, maybe some social media if you're interested in that as well. Um, everyone is encouraged to apply. I feel like, like a freaking recruiter for a company everyone's encouraged to apply <laughs> um people whose perspectives are much different than ours i recognize that we are two men roughly five to six years apart who are both um straight white men and who have very similar opinions about a lot of things so if you are someone whose background is different than ours uh if you are a person of color or if you are someone who does not identify as uh, a male that would be wonderful please you are strongly encouraged to apply as well and um, as we they have to like video games, you that would do, be a very different perspective. To be involved in this, you do have to like <laughs> video games. You have to, well, you have to have an opinion about video games, about which you can speak. What if their opinion is they think it's the devil's art? That is, that would make for some fun, interesting, odd couple esque um, conversations. <laughs> It would make pretty boring conversations, I think, because it'd be like, hey, so what do you think of this new de Steam Deck? Games are for the devil. And like, that would be <laughs> all they contribute. Hey, what do you think about PlayStation Netflix? Games are for the devil. How can Netflix do this? <laughs> Am I just talking to a Furby that knows one sentence? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, just, you get like a Woody doll and you just like pull the string and then just, that's, that's your co-host. Uh, so in the time being, as mentioned, Holden, you know, early August will be his last show. I want you to do a few things. One, I want, <laughs> I want you to do two things, everyone who's listening to this. One, tweet at Holden words of encouragement, at Holden DePardo, for his next Aww. venture in game development. Two, I want you to DM me, at Chad Mike Innes, I-N-N-I-S. I want you to DM me so that Holden doesn't see it. Pictures of Holden that you've drawn 
in any number of circumstances. <laughs> Hand-drawn, it can be on paper, it can be sketches on your phone, just pictures <laughs> of Holden. Um, and I want to collect those and organize them. So if you're listening to this, please make sure you make that happen. Um, and then finally, <clears throat> uh, we'll have a more formalized process of expressing interest in being an Aphelidia's co-host. Honestly, I don't know where to start because everyone I know who's good at podcasting already has their own podcast and we're not a kind of funny or someone really big who like, Oh, I want to leave my thing to go be part of your thing. So if you have any leads on someone who's looking to get involved and might be talented and have good information, uh, or good opinions. You should reach out to to, uh, to Tim Geddes. He might he might be looking to leave kind of funny. I don't know. He goes by yeah. He goes yeah. to gets. Uh, I didn't know cigarette. that. See, this is <laughs> <laughs> they call him Cigaretti T. Geddes. <laughs> Dallas is here in the chat. He says hi, hi Dallas. He says Holden's still doing the show notes right now. I am. Yeah, Holden's going to do says, all the mom. show notes. <laughs> he's, he's gonna That's continue the most time-consuming part. Holden's gonna do all the show notes and get none of the glory. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dallas does think that his mom would be perfect for the role. Honestly, I'm sure your mom is a wonderful lady, and I would love to meet her and talk with her about video games and what she thinks about her son and how much time he puts into Red Dead Redemption too. <laughs> So that's what's going on. We'll have uh, more official statements about it on our website and on Twitter in the coming days. But uh, I'm very proud of you, Holden. I love you. I'm excited to see where you go and what you do. You're always welcome back. Let's talk Thank about freaking Steam Deck. Yeah. Yeah, let's jump into it. So um, upcoming in the show, we also have Netflix is now the Netflix of gaming, maybe. And more PlayStation games are coming to PC, says an insider. We'll talk about all that stuff. But yeah, Steam Deck first. Um, holy moly, the Steam Deck. That came out of nowhere. It just ran Thursday. It yeah. just showed up. Uh, it was <laughs> so random. Um, I'm going to just run down some of the specs. There's a lot to talk about in this. This is, I think, a really, really huge deal. I'm excited to talk about this one. Um, so from can I, Mike, can I um, start Sam by saying Kovic. How much yeah. I hate that they called it the Steam Deck. Oh, it's a because horrible name. what is already very, very prominent in the gaming world is Stream Deck. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and now they are, for, they are forever mixed up now in my brain. Anytime someone's talking about Steam Deck, I see Stream Deck and vice versa. So <clears throat> there's also, they're going to release a dock for it, they said at some point. Are they going to call it the Stream Deck Dock? No, it's going <laughs> to be the Steam Dock. Steam Dick. See, it's... Strom Steam Duck. It's going to send me the Strom Duck. <laughs> That's a much better name. <laughs> yeah. So um, from Sam Mac, um, is it Makovic? Makovic. Yeah. Sam Makovic. Makovic? You think it's Mac? Yeah, Makovic. Yeah. Sam from Ars Technica <laughs> made an article all about uh, the Steam Deck called Steam Deck is Valve's Switch like portable pc starting at 399 this december i'm going to come back to that switch like i don't really agree with that it's not a switch <laughs> but anyway we'll get to that um i don't know that's com i have complicated thoughts there anyway here are the tech specs of it it has a custom apu which includes an rdna 2 gpu which is similar to what's the next gen consoles and it has a four core zen 2 um, cpu 16 gigabytes of ram two to eight hours of, of battery life for gameplay and there's a micro SD um, slot to increase the storage. We'll talk about the storage a little bit in a second because there's some important things to mention there. Excuse me. The screen is 7 inches LCD, which is 1280 by 800 resolution at 60 hertz. So you can get up to 60 frames per second in the game, which apparently it can do, which is impressive. 
It runs SteamOS, which is based on Linux, but because uh, of SteamOS um, it has a Proton layer, it lets you play Windows games. But it should be known that there are some games due to an anti-cheat software uh, that have certain types of anti-cheat software that make it incompatible with the Steam Deck. Um, which is basically kind of all your that. favorite multiplayer games, <laughs> like Destiny, yeah, Destiny Apex, Rainbow Six Siege, yeah, those... Apex Legends. I think it's going to change, but for yeah. the temporary, like, kind of short term, it'll definitely be a problem. Um, for input, it has all the usual suspects with the game controller with some nice little additions. It has mouse trackpads below both joysticks, and which I was immediately skeptical when I first saw that. Um, but everything I've seen from people who have actually used it say they work really well, even in like game like Doom Eternal, which really surprised me. I'm sure mouse and keyboard is still the preferable way, but on that device... It sounds like that's a good way to do it, which is surprising. The joysticks are touch capacitive, so when you rest your fingers on them, they recognize them immediately, which is kind of cool. And there's also four grip buttons, which are very similar to the Elite Series controllers from Microsoft. <clears throat> they have the little paddles in, on, by the um, by your not your index finger and your thumb, but all your other fingers that are gripping the controller. There's yeah. little buttons there to, for you to hit. So that's going to be huge uh, that's, for that's especially PC feature. gaming where you you yeah. like always have sometimes you have separate entire keyboards that you swap out or keyboard covers that you swap out because of all the hot keys you got to know for all your skills or techniques or whatever yeah now you can just map that to anything on the back all these specs i think are really impressive like really really impressive for the size device that it is the price to me i think is also really impressive too all of the models come with a carrying case starting at the 399 model uh, which has 64 gigabytes of memory. Now, this is eMMC storage, which is slower than the other models we're going to talk about, the higher tier models. And it apparently is a very noticeable difference to the point where I would just recommend going for the 529 option to start with. I, I really can't imagine the 399 model is going to be as peppy and fast um, as the other models. So the next model up is 529. That's 256 gigabytes of storage. And that has an NVMe storage um, device, which is SSD, very similar to what's an Xbox Series X and a PlayStation 5, although it's definitely closer to the Series X speeds. It's not up to those PS5 speeds. Um, and then the other storage up is uh, 512 gigabytes for 649. And that one comes with an anti-glare screen as well. So that's all the little tech specs stuff of um the steam deck i also should mention it's one of the ugliest devices i've ever wanted it's so ugly <laughs> it's so ugly but i do really want it so what are you what are your thoughts on the device chad uh at first <clears throat> um it, i'm it's one of those things that i'm kind of i'm curious i'm steam deck curious 20 mm percent -hmm. of me wants to get it but I think it's just because it's a platform that I've never that I haven't had in fifteen to twenty years. Um, but at first, I was like, "Man, this thing is not going to be good. It's not going to run well." I mean, the the CPU doesn't even compare to what's in current gen consoles, let alone what you can do on a, a regular PC. But then it's that like it doesn't have to be. It's outputting in seven twenty p at sixty hertz. It doesn't have to be this crazy processor, or this crazy GPU. So it was like, you know what? That gives me a little bit of hope. I saw some video of it running Control, which notoriously ran horrifically on PS4 and PS4 Pro and that whole generation. Uh, and it ran really smooth on that console as well, on the yeah. new Steam Deck as well. So that's really promising. I think that um, it is 
it's not going to be what I think a lot of people want it to be. It's it's not going to be. Uh, they mentioned like being able to dock it or being able to plug it into a monitor, an external monitor, and it basically is a PC. But you got to think like, oh man, I'm going to output it to my TV or I'm going to output it to my monitor, and it's still going to be 720. It's not going to look great if you output it to a monitor. You can it do is, it, yeah, right. But it's it not is, great. Yeah, it's like. It's like your phone, like those Android phones or Windows phones for a while. It's like, oh, you can dock it to a keyboard and do a monitor. And now your phone <laughs> is your computer. And it's like, it's not going to be a good experience. But um, so I think a lot of people are, they might be expecting more from it than it will provide for them. But it is a really cool little machine that provides you access to anything that might be exclusive to Steam. All of the really cheap games and Steam sales that go on that you don't really get uh, to be a part of on consoles all the time, or that's something you finally get to take advantage of. It seems like it can natively, quote-unquote natively, um, it can natively access third-party game stores like the Epic Game Store or the Windows Game Store without having to like put a new OS on it. Which apparently you can do. You can wipe it completely and run Windows on it if you want, like a full version of Windows instead of the the Linux um, Steam OS that's on there. So I don't know. It's got some pros and cons. I don't quite know how I feel about it yet. As you mentioned, it is really ugly, but also it feels capable. The storage thing worries me a little bit. That it's like at the the model everyone wants is the three ninety nine model. Obviously, sixty four gigs of storage is 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 so big. It, that's like. A fraction of an update for Warzone, and um, <laughs> well, they're showing Death Stranding running on it. It looks like it runs right. well, but that's also the only game <laughs> that you're gonna have on that system at that point. Yeah, but I mean, like the Switch has a similar thing. Where what does that? Thirty-two gigs of onboard storage. The new one has sixty-four. Yeah, and sixty-four. And everyone just yeah, has a micro SD card. And yep. while that, you know, the storage might be slower on that sixty-four gig, it's really. All of your games are going to be on the SD card, and it's all up to whatever speed your SD card is, and how many, how whatever speed that port can can support. Um, so I'm not. It's a little concerning, but I'm not super concerned because it's not like even with five twelve gigabytes of NVMe storage, that faster storage, you're still mm-hmm. not realistically going to hold a lot on that. So it doesn't really matter. Most stuff is going to be limited by your SD card. Um, yeah. So I'm not super concerned by all of that. But it looks interesting. It already is sold out everywhere. Scalpers are charging over $1,000 for it. Anyone who did get a pre-order is, like, some of them are Q3 2022 for the deli- the release date, even though it's actually it's releasing this nuts. December. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. that's late summer, early fall of next year when the Literally device comes out. Literally a year from now. Later yeah. than a year from now. Yeah, and the device is supposed to come out this December. So yeah. that's that's wild to me. But on that are, note, I feel like thoughts. that will probably change too. Or I feel like they weren't anticipating that level of demand because they've never really had a Valve has never had a hugely successful hardware product. Like even though the index is apparently great hardware, that's not like a hot selling consumer device. It's very much right. a niche enthusiast piece of, of tech. Um, and I feel like they kind of thought this might have been the same thing too, possibly. So they weren't thinking. Actually, they did say they want to sell millions of these. My guess is they sold way more than they were anticipating is my guess because Pre-orders going out that far is unheard of, like completely unheard of. Yeah. Apple products don't even get that far out. If they go months out, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. They also, I think the fair, closest I can think of was like millions. the AirPods Max that like they were released yeah. late last year and like ship times were March or April of the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, I think I agree in the sense that it's definitely there's a lot to this is, that is wait and see. 
Yeah. And like see how this kind of plays out. I have a really good feeling about this, though. I really do. I feel like we're at this point now with mobile tech that even if it's not this device, Alienware or like um, or some Razor other PC manufacturer, yeah. Razer, yeah, they will make something to compete with this. Steam machines, I don't think was that interesting because they're really just they're just PCs. It's all they really yeah. were were just normal PCs. So a PC gamer is like, well, why wouldn't I just buy a PC that already exists or build my own PC? But it's like this is something you can't do on your own. So I feel like there's that inherent interest in it. And because things sync with the cloud now, like if you're a PC gamer and you want to take things on the go, that might be a better option for you. Yeah. They were talking about that huge laptop. They're looking for cloud gaming and safe syncing. So like you could be literally gaming on the go, hit pause and then pick up your uh, Steam Deck and pick up right where you left off on it, too. So like that could be a really interesting application of it. Absolutely. Yeah. What has drawn me so much to it is a few things. First of all, I was I'm not going to get one immediately, but when I do get one, I'm getting the 649, 12, all that. Okay. Why so? Um, just because because uh, I don't want to worry about having an SD card with um, with slower storage on it. I would like to use that 512 and have as much on there as possible. But I'm also not planning on getting this for for big AAA games. I Tell don't me about think that because that if, I'm I'm trying to figure out what my use case would be for it. And every time I think, oh, I might use it for this, I talk myself out of it. What What do you see yourself using this for? A few things. First of all. I want to play Half-Life, like the original Half-Life. Don't have that option on Mac. You can't get that game on Mac at all. So there's like some older PC games that I might want to try out and see what they're like. So that'd be kind of nice to have that option because it's backwards compatibility to the beginning of PC gaming. (laughs) So like there's a lot there. So I kind of feel like there would never be a game that I wouldn't be able to have access to from like earlier generations. That's exciting to me. There's also indie games that come out on PC first. And the reason for that is, as an indie developer, you can't just release a game on Nintendo, PlayStation, or Xbox. You have to have, um, you have, to have proven yourself in some way first. And there's a lot of indie games that are on PC that just simply aren't available elsewhere. Like, even looking at Hollow Knight. Like, Hollow Knight was on PC for a solid year plus, I think, before it came to the Switch. So like there's experiences where I'm like, why know what? When a really good indie game comes out, I would like to just have access to it as opposed to saying, all right, I'll wait for it to come, you know, to switch. If it ever does, that would be nice. Um, so I kind of feel like I'll have access to that for that reason. But going back to holy, I want to get into game development. I don't have a ga- I don't have a gaming PC. If I'm making a game, I can make it for Mac. But what's the audience for that? You know what I mean? Like, what well, I, right. I really should be making a game for a PC. And I think. When you're talking about making a game, I think people think that you need to have, like, the most powerful hardware. It's actually really good to have less powerful hardware so you can test that game and make sure it runs on something below the spec of what most people are going to have. So I can see, okay, it runs here. I can feel safe knowing it's going to run well on other people's devices, too. So it kind of gives that kind of peace of mind. But also, like, the games I want to make are going to work way better on a handheld anyway. Yeah. So I kind of feel like for the games I want to make, for the games I want to play on the you know Steam OS, I'm like, this is kind of the perfect device for how I could get into PC gaming. And then maybe this is a stepping stone for me and I go full on to PC gaming after that. But I don't want to invest in a huge rig. Oh, Holden, look at you. That's that's trader talk right there. <laughs> but here's the other part of it, too. Would I have to buy an Xbox? 
you want to play with us, you do. And it's just because of the shame of it. Like, we will not play with PC people. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Halo Infinite comes out this fall. You could play Halo Infinite on this because it's coming to Steam day one. Yeah, I don't know about, now, like, cross Online multiplayer, like that, we'll see but... how that goes. Um, I, I think it's, it's going to have cross-play between PC and, uh, and Xbox. Yeah, sure we'll we'll see, you know, how multiplayer servers and all of that it never works well or as intended at launch yeah. for those kinds of things. Hashtag GTA look at, Online. Look at hashtag Master Chief Collection, which took like multiple years <laughs> yeah. to get where they wanted it to get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, overall, I think this is a... I think this is an important device. I really think that regardless of what happens, this is going to be a... What happens with this specific device this will be an important device. I think this is this concept is going to go places. The portable PC where you can play PC games. I just feel like that sounds yeah. like a reasonable thing to expect in the future. Now, I've been, I've been hearing a lot of comparisons to Switch on this. And I, like, half get it. We're like, obviously, they're both, you know, portable-capable devices. I think it's just um, the form this factor. However, That's all it is. It's just the form factor. But Switch can go both ways, whereas this is just a handheld, really. It doesn't have the removable Joy-Cons. Like you're saying, you can play it on a TV, but it's clearly not designed for that in the way that the Switch will overclock the processor so it gets more power out of it. Um, so when you're playing on the TV, it's at a higher resolution, higher frame rate. Um, but it's also... So it's, it's really just in handheld form, it's the same thing. But regardless of that, this device, I think, happened because of the Switch. I don't think we would be seeing the Steam Deck it, like right now if it weren't for the Switch's immense popularity over the past yeah. few years. Um, so even though like it's a different thing, it kind of came. It's kind of like how like I don't know if we would have had the iPhone if Blackberries didn't exist first. If there wasn't that created demand for like powerful smartphones that we then realize, oh. The iPhone's yeah. way more capable than someone what that has Black to try was. internet on a phone and to realize that's a bad experience before someone says we should do that better. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Valve saw this and was like, "Hey, we wanted to get into hardware. Let's do a handheld." People seem to be getting into that Switch thing because before the Switch, the kind of common idea was, "Oh, portable gaming is dead because of smartphones." And like, yeah, the 3DS is doing well, but it's only doing half as well as the DS. So like, clearly, this is on the way out. And then the Switch comes out, and it's like, nah, hold my beer. This is <laughs> totally not a gone market. Um, so even though they're not the same thing, and I don't think they are the same thing, I do think one came before the other. I know it's kind of a weird, like, basically contradictory opinion, but um, it's what I think. Can't help it. Yeah. I'm, I'm so still trying to figure out a way to justify it. Because you know me. I'm fiscally irresponsible. We'll get into this later, but I am going to buy in the new Switch OLED. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I want to get it. I want I just, to get you know, it. Really I was bad. laughing at you saying you're getting an OLED just to be totally clear <laughs> what I was laughing at. <laughs> um, but I, I, every time that I think of a use case for it, I'm like, okay, I'm, I haven't had a PC in 15 to 20 years. Uh, and I used to play a lot of like Guild Wars and Diablo and Baldur's Gate and all that kind of shit on it. Yeah. And I think about what would I play on this? What would I want to play on the go? And I'm like, um, well, what about, like, I mean, I could play AAA games. I could play things like Doom. I could play things like Death Stranding. More PlayStation stuff is coming. And then I think, oh, man, but I've got to, I could play it on the go. But then whenever I want to play it on a TV, I can't play it in 4K. Well, I could get it on my PlayStation. But yeah, but then my saves won't sync between the two things. 
And so you like, buy the game twice. Exactly. You got to buy the game twice. And so like yeah. AAA gaming is out for me because the ideal experience is on the TV. And when I want it handheld, that's really just like as a backup scenario. So AAA yeah. gaming's out for me. Oh. And then I have, and then you got indie games. And so, and that's what you mentioned is like, yeah, that does sound really enticing. In reality, I don't have a lot of indie games that I play. I don't know whether that's because I don't have access to a lot of them or because I don't have, I don't prioritize them because of other blockbuster experiences that I find. But so Mm -hmm. I, I, in thinking about indie games, I'm like, I'm probably not even going to find time to play it until it's available elsewhere anyway. But if I did, they're going to be like $3 on Steam and I just paid 400 to $700 for a thing to pay to play a few $3 games. <laughs> I'm like I can't justify that to myself. <laughs> um so yeah, I I'm having trouble figuring out when and where I would use it. But it does it looks like a really interesting thing if you are part, if you're an audience that that speaks to. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the AAA thing. That's, that is exactly where my mind went too. I'm like, oh man, like I could like if Sony starts releasing their games day and date on PC, which seems to be a, a growing possibility, like that'd be really cool. But uh, same thing you're saying, like, but I'd rather play that on my PlayStation anyway, and I'm not gonna right. buy it twice. I want the haptics. So, and like even for you, like trophies won't sink, like things like that, right. where it's like that's kind of like wasted time for you at that point. So yeah, I, like I think for the AAA side, it doesn't make as much sense, but it does make sense for someone out there for sure. Yeah, like I think if you are already definitely... a PC gamer, and you, you know it, when you're a PC gamer, you are first of all super smug. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> no, you were just like you are so sucked into that ecosystem, and all console gaming is just like I'm making some generalizations about a group of people, which is something you shouldn't do. But you're sucked into the PC ecosystem, and consoles are like, oh, I'll do that occasionally whenever my friends want it, or if there's an exclusive. Um, but you're you're a diehard PC person, and what, they always say like once you go PC gaming, you never go back. Similar to other things, and um, so this I can definitely see people who have wanted a way to make PC gaming portable that they've never been able to do. Like you on Android, there have been like ways that you could stream your your Steam stuff. Uh, actually, I think there even might be a way to do it on iOS right now too. Like you could stream your PC to your mm-hmm. iOS device, but it's still not an ideal Steam experience. Link, so. Yeah. I can see a lot of people who are PC game fans who have an extensive Steam library who haven't had a good way to play them on the go suddenly now have that. So I can I can definitely see that as a huge audience for this too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Big deal. I'm I'm very excited about this. I've been watching a lot of it. Um it's it's good stuff. Yeah, and but as IGN we said, has like the a bunch of exclusive first look stuff all month for it. So yeah. Keep it they locked. Do, yeah. Tide. <laughs> they, <laughs> they also have a on that same exact note, um, IGN has they did an interview with Gabe Newell, which they've kind of released in little clips, but they're going to release like the full like hour, hour and a half like interview with Gabe Newell, which I'm sure will be really interesting to, to see. They get some good interviews sometimes. Have you just seen the um, IGN unfiltered show? No, but I've read a couple of good things that have come out of it before, but I've never listened to it. I. Yeah, I did the same thing, and then I'm like, I should listen to some of these. And I listened to one with Todd Howard, like right after Starfield was announced. Or actually, I think it was like they recorded it before Starfield was announced. But Ryan McCaffrey knew Starfield was a thing, so they're able to talk pretty candidly about like what that reveal looked like. Um, so it's kind of cool. But um, yeah, like it's actually really awesome, kind of hearing the perspective of these people who like make games. Ted Price had a really good one, um, as well, kind of talking. This is after um, after Spider Man came out. Um, kind of talking to uh, Ted Price of Insomniac Games. 
really good series, actually. Like, like kind of like going through there and finding a creator that you're interested in. Yeah. Very cool. There's an Amy Hennig one that's really interesting. There's just some really cool stuff. It's it's nice kind of seeing how things work behind the scenes. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, anyway, there are a lot of games that you can play on the Steam Deck, but there's some games that we play that aren't available. Actually, every game we played yeah. isn't available on the Steam Deck. <laughs> every single one. <laughs> every single one. Actually, except maybe the last one here gta online that's oh, yeah. that's available that's probably available um but everything else nah chad why can't you play destiny 2 on your steam deck and why would you want to based on the experiences you had going on this week with destiny 2 yeah as, as we mentioned destiny 2 is one of those games that you cannot play on a steam deck in its current form due to the anti-cheat software not being compatible with linux but i did play it this week i just wanted to mention that it the storytelling in it like the seasonal content every single few months with destiny 2 it's been like really impressive the last i guess since like last september or november when beyond light launched i just wrapped up the reason i wanted to bring this up is i just wrapped up the storyline for this season um which still has about a month to go but i just wrapped up the storyline for it and it was really like there's a whole lot of nuance in there and how these different races of people from across space are all like having like tensions and there are there's bigotry and like there's a group of refugees called the elixni that are like sharing space now in like we've given them as humans we've given them space in the tower in this in the last city but then there's this woman named lakshmi who leads this future war cult that is like they go and sabotage all their shit because of basically racism it boils down to racism and all of this is like a b plot of this a plot where we're all like oh my god the vex hive mind is looking to take over the world and the darkness of the witch queen is actually at the center of it all and you're going into the computer to like infiltrate it like that's the a plot that <laughs> was it having. an imac a g3 imac <laughs> that's exactly what it was they pick it up and they smash it but <laughs> like that's if you want you can just at that level appreciate the game and you're just like man this is really cool everything's like neo techno themed it looks like you're in the fucking tron when you're in the middle of the, all the new vex shit in this season and it, at that point, it's still really engaging and awesome. But if you listen to all the dialogue and you watch all the cutscenes and things like that, there's like a really, like it's just about relationships and and like human problems that we're dealing with today. And it's something that you don't expect from a massively multiplayer online game about shooting aliens. And so yeah, it's not about the space; it's about right. the people. It's about the people. <laughs> so that was really impressive to me. And it's just the way that they're continuing. They are doing storytelling in a way that I don't think any massively multiplayer game has ever been able to do. You know, it's what Anthem wanted to do with Bioware and like tell these amazing stories in space and, while also being this big, giant, shared world that's constantly changing. And I, I think that while they didn't have it right off the bat with Destiny 2, it has evolved and they've learned so much over the three or four years that it's been out now. Well, it's also so. been one of the big criticisms of early Destiny to begin with. Like, not even right. Destiny 2, just, just Destiny in general was not great at storytelling. The storytelling mm -hmm. has never been considered the strong suit of, of, uh, of Destiny 2. And even the beginning of Destiny 2 is seen as, like, this big improvement for storytelling. But it sounds like, as you're saying, they've taken it even even further. Which is cool, because, yeah. like, that's the stuff that makes that world feel lived in and real. And also, sci-fi is just a great platform to talk about those issues you're talking about. It's, like, the perfect outlet right? to discuss that's, that's why star issues. trek yeah. existed it was you know Yo, exactly those same yeah. issues with other races of aliens and space yeah um i'll talk oh, a little shit. bit of, I'll, I'll kind of 
save Skyward Sword for last on mine so we can easily transition into yours. So I'll talk about Pokemon yeah. Go Fest 2021, Holden. This game is five years old. I've been playing this game for five years every day with the exception of the three-day break where I decided I'm done with Pokemon Go. And then they released <laughs> Farfetch'd, and I only had a few days to get it before it disappeared from, Amer from America, and I was like, fuck. Gotta get back in and get Farfetch'd, and now I've been back in. Gotta catch them all. So, um... Every single year, well, I don't know every single yeah, every single year, starting with the first year anniversary in Chicago, they've been holding Pokemon Go Fest, and it was an in-person thing for a long time, and, you know, there are, like, stations set up with cool things and experiences and merch, and and you travel around, you get exclusive Pokemon, you can battle in raids and get unique legendary Pokemon, all that kind of fun shit. But last year, obviously the pandemic, it was all digital, and then this year, uh, it is all digital again. It was a third the price. You only have to pay five bucks, and it's a it's a digital ticket, so it just like unlocks some shit. If you if you didn't pay the price of entry, you still get to take advantage of everything. Like there was Pokemon spawning all over the place that were spawning for everyone. There were raids that are happening that everyone can take advantage of. But if you did pay it, then you get access to the special research line where it's it's kind of a cool little skeleton of a story is like hey it's all focused around music and this new mythical pokemon that they're releasing in the game called melodia or something like that so it's all about music this time and you get to pick whether or not you want to go down a, a path that leads you to a special rock star pikachu or a pop star pikachu um and then you finally get your pikachu and like cool let's build a band do you want a zigzagoon the guy that who looks like uh fucking the tongue guy from kiss i don't remember his gene simmons gene like, simmons yeah so they're like, do you want to go down that one, or do you want the Gardevoir that is kind of for music as well? And then you gotta get, your, you gotta tell everyone to come to your things. So you gotta go catch all these Pokemon, and it was kind of a cool little story with a bunch of rewards in it and shit like that. Um, and at the end of the quest, you get uh, the opportunity to catch this new mythical Pokemon, Melodia. So that was cool. Mechanically, it was just like it was really simple. It's four hours. They cycle through every hour a different region. So for the first hour, from 10 to 11 local time, you get to these nine types of Pokemon are going to show up. And then from 11 to 12, it's going to be a different one. You just got to catch all of them in each hour. Little, like, global challenges, too. Like, as a population on Earth, can we all make X number of great throws together? If you can, before the hour's up, then you all get this bonus. So there's kind of cool things happening like that. But what they had is, as an alternative to the digital event only... Rather than like an in-person event, they had what they called city activations in like nine or ten cities around the world. And San Francisco is one of those cities, which for me is like a 45-minute drive now. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'll head up there. And there's, there is no like check-in booth. You can register to attend, but it's really just like uh, uh, they, they have a limited number of spaces. But really, anyone can fucking go there. And anyone who lives there can walk around San Francisco. There's no law against it. But it was just to keep numbers lower and keep people from keep people social distancing, all that kind of fun stuff. But yeah. uh, I went up to the ferry building, uh, the northern point of San Francisco, and there were huge crowds. It was really, really fun. You see people everywhere walking around with Pikachu hats, little paper folded hats, and uh, a lot of families, a lot of middle aged, overweight white guys like myself, and and we were all that was it. Those were the two demographics, and um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that was all you saw. Tons of them everywhere probably getting the only exercise we've gotten since the pandemic began um you're not fat chad uh i'm i'm internally fat forever and what was also <laughs> really interesting is that like they had these activations they had little points all over the city 
all over downtown San Francisco that they advertise as like, you might see like a Charizard wing on the side of a building. And like they had like these installations at several points in every city. So I was like really excited. They didn't reveal what they were or what they looked like. I was really, really excited to go and kind of see what they were and maybe take some cool pictures. And you go there and it's just like fucking cardboard cutouts of one of the trainers and you get to take your picture with it. Or you go and it's like <laughs> a four foot by three foot like backdrop that you can take your picture in front of. And it was just like, wow, that was really fucking lame. And it's lame. covered in COVID. <laughs> yep, covered in COVID-19. And most of the, of all of it was deserted. Like there was no one for the stretch from Union Square all the way to about three blocks from the ferry building. It was like, it's a good maybe mile, mile and a half. Uh, it was empty. No one was at any of those places. They were all at the ferry building where all of the gyms are gathered and all the, the Pokemon stops. But what was also happening at the same time was this, um, I guess it was a Korean, there was some kind of like big band playing and it looked like a middle school, like huge band competition. They get to go play at the ferry building on the weekend for this celebration. And then they marched down the street. And at first glance, it's, it's just like, oh, good for them. These hundreds of kids all playing the tubas together at the same time in the middle of the ferry building with a farmer's market and now Pokemon Go Fest are all happening at the same time. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And then you look closer, and the bands are playing in support of a movement about, like, persecution and abuse of um, uh, groups of people, groups of different types of Asians who apparently... Not, it's not the same as, like, the Asian abuse that has been going on during COVID. Uh, it's just not like the Asian thing? No, it was something... It was kind of... At first glance, to me, it was like... Like the Hong Kong type stuff. Like, hey, free these people who are being abused. Or oh, their, okay. Their yeah, rights free are being Hong taken Kong, away. Yeah. That kind of and, then, and then you look even closer. And Did you Blizzard that, shut it down? And say yeah, they Blizzard came and said, it. fuck you. No, you can't say this anymore. Um, but no, you look closer. And, and in the middle of all of these like middle school age kids playing their tubas, there's like a little tiny float. And you look on the float and there's a girl trapped in the cage covered in blood. And it's like, what? And then it's just like little shit like that everywhere. And it's like... This is so deceiving. <laughs> I did not expect to see this in the middle of Pokemon <laughs> Go Fest, but um, so that was that was a, a fun little experience. I don't know. I think it was obviously important to be marching for that. Um, mm -hmm. I do have a funny image on my head, just like all these kids walking with tubas. All of them had tubas. There's no different instruments. They just all had tubas. <laughs> so they're all playing hot cross bugs, like... all in their tubas in the same range, no <laughs> harmonies. Yeah. I'm like, man, that sounds like a really odd concert. <laughs> yeah. Um, but overall, so that was day one. Day one was around that. Day two was all raids. And, you know, I drove up there. The actual, like, festival stuff in San Francisco was a little bit of a letdown. So I was like, I don't need to drive back to San Francisco for day two. I'll just, uh, I asked our mutual friend Randy. I was like, hey, where's a good spot down here in the South Bay? He said downtown Campbell. And I went, and there were a ton of gyms back to back. So I just spent uh, all day walking around downtown Campbell. Uh, doing raids today and guess what every single legendary in the game that has ever been released was re-released today in again those like hour spurts you could get these eight legendaries will be appearing in five star raids so that was really cool i now have 10 legendaries that i never had before i finally have for the first time yes. yeah. look at that brush my shoulders off and four of them that i had a really shitty version of i now have a three star version of so uh, my Pokedex is looking really full right now. Shout out to <laughs> Randy and his wonderful wife for joining me for many of those raids. And John Hansen, who we're friends in Ooh. Pokemon Go, 
and his his username in Pokemon Go is not the same as everything else because it's his daughter's account that he plays on. So I was playing with this Eva person the whole time, not even realizing that it was John. So he jumped in and joined a few raids with me. <laughs> I jumped in and joined a couple raids with him. That's fine. And afterwards on the on the um, Discord for uh, Pixel Street, he's like, hey, anyone in Pokemon Go catch anything cool? I was like, yeah, I did. And he's like, oh, yeah, I was in a couple of raids. I was like, oh, fuck, that's right. What's your name? Um, <laughs> so that was cool. I was just, got to connect with a few people. It was fun. So Pokemon Go Fest, big old success. Had a good time. Very rich now. It's funny to me also that they, they were, I'm assuming they did a digital event for COVID and not getting huge groups of people. But then there were still right. huge groups of people all around these specific right. gyms. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, like, but they, they well did introduce, the well, they introduced um, early in the pandemic remote raid passes where you could battle raids two ways. Either... If you could see it in your eye line, basically, you could battle it. Or if someone mm -hmm. invites you to it. So, like, for instance, Randy and his wife, and John lives in Iowa, I think. Like, I was, they were nowhere with me. I was by myself throughout all of this. But I could invite them to raid with me every time that I went to one of these places. And then actually in real, like, in person, they it was very much like clusters of families or groups were sp uh, scattered around Campbell. So, it, it was actually really well done for covid purposes. people still playing that game yeah it's made five billion dollars in five years it is Craziness. still going damn i also that's, played that's skyward sword hd holden yeah new switch did. game new switch game i was the i was getting the itch new. i saw the trailer it's a new, it's a new switch game it, it is new. it is new it has some it's quality life improvements i saw the trailer like a week and a half ago that nintendo released a new trailer with some stuff and i was like you know what I think I want to try this one. So I, I was I picked it up. Um I guess it was Friday night. Yeah, it was launch night. And I played it for about an hour and a half. I got through I got my birdie. I got my board. Yeah. To the competition. Got the bitch who lives in my sword. And uh that's as far as I got so far. But I'm enjoying it. I, I know a lot of people were like, oh my god, the tutorial is a thousand years long and it takes forever. I was like, well, it seemed pretty engaging to me so far. Um, mm -hmm. The motion controls, two things on the motion controls. One, I've told you about this before, but if my Switch and Switch dock are hidden oh, from view, yep. it is a nightmare for connectivity for me. Like, I have to mm -hmm. hit the A button like 30 times before it registers. This even actually, this was over when we played at Dallas's house and we were playing Smash Hall together. And yep. the switch was in front of me, like six feet in front of me, visible, clear line. But like if my leg was angled the wrong way and it was in between the signal from my Bluetooth, uh, from my Joy-Con to the machine, then I would, it wouldn't register every button press. Same thing happens in this game too. So the dock was sitting behind the TV and I go to like, it says point your thing in the, your IR sensor at the screen. And I hit the Y button to calibrate it and it sits there and it blinks off the side and then it blinks over here and it's just like, Fuck. I'm going to have to undo all these cables. I'm going to have to move this thing. So now it's just kind of sticking out the side of my TV. So I have a clear line of sight to it. But that's why I'm getting the Switch OLED model. I'm just like, this happens with every set of joy. I have multiple sets of Joy-Cons and the same thing happens. So it has to be the Switch itself that has the trouble with it. And with the new one, I'm going to get the white Joy-Cons. I'm going to get the white dock. And this, the Switch that I have right now, like it has the whole kind of funny crew signature on the back including the very first literally very first ever signature of johnny ace exists on my switch um so like 
it'll be good to retire that and just use it for display purposes. And then I'll have the yeah, new sexy OLED that. switch that's swoled. Um, swoled. Just for just for the one time every three and a half years that I decide to play Switch. Uh, I'll <laughs> every time a new Zelda game out. comes out, you'll you'll open it up and <laughs> yep. play it. But I'm excited. I I've even been thinking about playing the Zelda like Skyward Sword as well. So even when I I brought it with me just in case, like oh maybe I'll catch everything this hour and I'll have some downtime. And I never had downtime. Um, but I, I've been thinking about playing it, which is a good twist from a, a lot of games that I just like lose sight <laughs> of. So I'm excited. So far. I like it. And I was I was worried by some of the screenshots that came out that like it wasn't going to look good, especially the like their screenshots of like Groose and stuff like that. I was like, "Wow, those character models look bad." But then playing it, I didn't didn't care or notice that at all. And I was playing it I on think my the character 4K models TV. are the best looking I think it's the best looking part of the game is the character models. Yeah. Um so there were some things that, like play, to be clear, I haven't played the original Skyward Sword at all. So I have nothing to compare it mm-hmm. to. But once I moved my switch out from behind the TV, the motion control seemed to be the only control. The only thing that I fucking hate so far is the flying shit. Oh, yeah. Because it I mean, it's fine, but I have no idea how to gain elevation, to gain altitude, because they're like every single time they're like, oh, just dive deeper and then point your Joy-Con up. And I dive deep and I point up. And he just goes back to the same level, if not even lower than what and he was like at before. And he's like looking downwards almost. Like your camera angle starts to like go downwards. Do yeah, you forget that? And then he's just doing that like yeah. flapping thing where he's like, I can't do anything anymore. Yeah. And I'm just like, fucking fly, dude. And then I got I got stuck in the cloud layer at the bottom. And there's nowhere to go from there. And he can't go up because he's just fucking flapping his wings. Like, I don't know what to do. And I can't dive down because I'm at the cloud layer. And I just got stuck there. And all I could see was clouds for about... Literally like ninety seconds to two minutes before the game finally just reset me up like a good. Uh, I was like maybe ten twenty feet above where I could finally start to get a little bit more altitude, but that fucking sucks. But <laughs> I think it's it like doesn't look like flying is going to be a huge too- mechanic. I'm just kidding. It's probably going to be everything. So far, I've I've played half the game now. I've beaten the first three dungeons. I think there's six dungeons in total. I feel like I'm about like halfway through the game. Um. Flying is nothing. It's just I mean, I agree with everything you said, but like you hardly do in the game. Let's say like it's nothing. Oh, like okay. you you go to uh, up back up to Skyloft, drop off some shit. I won't tell you what that is because I don't want to spoil it for you. And then you go back down to the surface again, and you just kind of go back, and that's it. Like at least for me, that's all I've done. Um, also, because I'm not really exploring all the sky islands because they all seem kind of boring. I flew around and found some of them, and I'm like, that's a rock in the sky, and that one's also <laughs> a rock in the sky. And that one's a rock in the sky. Uh, they're all rocks in the sky. Um, so I'm about halfway through now. I've, I've tried to play it with motion controls, with handheld controls, and with pro controller to kind of get the what, how they all feel. Um, and I kind of like both of them for different reasons. Um, oh, clarify. I did play Skyward Sword on the Wii, but I never finished it. I don't really know how far I got, and I don't remember anything about it. So I effectively haven't played it before, but I felt like I should mention that. Um, But I started doing motion controls at the very beginning of it, and I think they feel really good. Um, You have to recalibrate every once in a while, but it's so easy to do that that it doesn't really feel like an issue at all. but I the flying is kind of terrible. I found the flying was much better with my pro controller because you just hit A and then you just start to go up much, much okay. easier. I think it's just like a waggle thing you got to do. I don't remember how it works um, with motion on. Um, but I like it so far. 
Um, it is... I like it so far, but I have some like caveats to that. I don't know, like it's it's weird. So like first of all, obviously this is the um the second linear Zelda game I have played since Breath of the Wild. I played Majora's Mask earlier this year, which is also the only other 3D Zelda game I hadn't beaten. And it's really tough going back to the linear Zelda games because it feels like like in Zelda Breath of the Wild, there's not single solutions to puzzles. You can kind of do whatever you want and and angle it and like figure out your own solutions. Sometimes there's a explicit, you know, solution, but not always. In this game, everything is explicit solution. Everything yeah. is that way. There's very, very. Um, I don't think I actually have come across anything that wasn't explicit. Um, and on top of that, the overworld is also a dungeon. Um, so everything feels incredibly linear. Like even more so than Majora's Mask. Did. This is probably the most linear Zelda game I've ever played. I think when um, I hear people's but, complaints, that's what their complaint is. And honestly, that's what's got me most excited. I'm very well, into so that. He, what is, I was excited about that, too, because I'm like, oh, this will be cool to kind of get into something more linear. I can get through it. But here's what has kind of happened with me. Um, I decided not to use the dowsing ability to make it a little bit less linear. The what? The dowsing ability. So when you get to the surface, you'll get this ability. So like, they'll be like, you need to find such and such on the surface and when you go into the first person mode you know like all zelda games you can go to like a first person mode look around yeah and that you can hold your sword around and if you it, it, when you point in certain directions it'll basically say oh it, this direction is what you're looking for oh uh, like so it'll tell you Shadow exactly the where to go yes yes very much like okay. that yeah i'm gonna tell you exactly where to go but i'm like what i'm not gonna do that I'm going to just figure things out on my own and then even then i'm like wow this is still really linear like even when I'm trying to take the, the the training wheels off and like do it my own, I'm like, this is still really, really linear. Every single um, overworld area is literally just a dungeon to get to the actual dungeon. And I think what ends up happening is that it gets a little exhausting because you don't have this change of pace, really. It's just kind of like back to back dungeons. It's like always that. It's not it's interesting that, it's that they bad. go from like everything's a dungeon in skyward sword to nothing's a dungeon in breath of the wild yeah <laughs> but there are still exactly. so many similarities between the two like the the car yeah, lets yeah. you sail down and um mm -hmm. that's all i can think of off the top of my head actually stamina stamina oh, yeah, started stamina, in, right. in this one um a durability is in this too actually your, your mm -hmm. shield has durability and your shield can break but you can have it repaired unlike zelda where breath of the wild where it just it breaks and fuck you it's done um that's it but i i do really like it so far i think the dungeons themselves are all really good even though they're all linear they're all very very good and it still gave me that feeling of i figured that out even though i know that that was the only actual solution and that was the way everyone figured it out but i think a good game can make you feel like you're so clever for figuring that out like that's kind of the sign of like good game design where it's like you feel like you did something you weren't supposed to and then it worked and you're like "Ooh, i did it that's yeah. good game design and it does that a lot um but it is all scripted like every little bit of it the items are all fun to use um it because they have the motion control you get different types of items that you don't normally get in in zelda games like there's still gonna be a you know bow and arrow obviously but there's things that you didn't get before which is kind of cool and that's nice um the bosses all seem to use them in a clever way i just did actually the third dungeon boss i just did was my favorite boss i fought so far um 
that was a lot of fun. That was a really good boss. Uh, but yeah, I like it a lot. I think the story is good so far. It's not a typical Zelda story. Um, it's it's cool that Zelda is actually like an important character this time around, as yeah. opposed to, <laughs> look, she's a princess and she's gone. Guess you'll see her at the end of the game when you save her. Um, like she's she actually seems to be an actual character this time around with, with her own motivations, her own goals. That's cool to see. That's really, really and you cool actually to have see. a relationship. Like that, I noticed yeah, that you immediately do. when your bird comes in the window and you get the letter that says, "Hey, I know you sleep late, so hopefully this guy woke you up. <laughs> see you out in the races." And it's like, oh yeah. fuck! Like we actually are friends, and we we know one another. <laughs> and on that note too, Skyloft, like your little town that you're you're in, feels much more like a lived-in town in terms of the relationship between the different characters than any other Zelda game I've played before. Every other Zelda game was like, hi, I'm a character that's supposed to tell you that if you L-target me from a distance, you can talk to me. Yeah. And that's my character like goal here. But like, Groose, you can tell you have a past with him. You can tell that he has certain thoughts and feeling towards other people in the town, and you and Zelda, and and like, you don't get that kind of characterization typically in Zelda games. Um, so I, I just, I like all that stuff. I think there's a lot of really, really good stuff here. Um, when it comes to combat, though, the combat is a double-edged sword. It is really good sometimes. It can be kind of frustrating sometimes when the motion control doesn't do exactly what you want it to do. But I do kind of find that, and so far I think this is actually probably the best sword mechanics in a Zelda game, like sword combat with an enemy, which shouldn't be surprising considering that's like the main focus of this game. But a lot of that's just because each enemy is a puzzle of some kind you kind of have to figure out like oh there's five um, bokoblins in front of me right now one dude has a sword up here another guy has a sword at the side like if i cut this direction i can actually get three of these guys right now which will leave the other two and you can kind of think a little bit more strategically based on how they're all holding their swords what you can do in response and the button controls too work really well like surprisingly well i didn't expect that to the point where I get full enjoyment, equal enjoyment playing this game in handheld mode, where I really thought going into this that you had to play with the motion controls, and if you were playing handheld, you could, you could do it, but it wouldn't be quite as effective. And I'm like, actually, in some ways, I prefer the button controls. And I think it's kind of interesting to activate your sword by using a second joystick instead of hitting just the button and like the what comes with that i'm like i actually kind of wouldn't mind seeing like a an indie game around that mechanic and kind of what yeah. you could do with it i think that could be kind of cool um that makes me really excited for the, metroid because that's been the same exact yeah. everyone's like oh how are they ever going to do skyward sword on switch because the wii remote and that's the same thing everyone's yep. saying about metroid it's like how are they ever going to do metroid prime yeah, because of the wii remote yeah yeah so like if yeah. they pulled it off with this and it works well with buttons and motion controls and yeah. as I sent, I sent the group chat this right before we started too. Like Jeff Grubb said, "Hey, by the way, Metroid is actually done. They're just waiting for a good time to release it." Do I have that Metroid in the show Prime now? Trilogy? Well, not, not Metroid Prime Four. I don't have that in here. We'll talk about that in Fetch Quest. I'll just add that in here. So that's good to see. And as I mentioned, yeah, they're, so far the motion controls have been great for me when my Switch is in the right place. Yeah. Um, the one thing about motion controls is you have to hold down the right or the left button in order to use the second joystick as um, camera control, which takes a little bit to get used to. When so you're using in separate motion control mode, 
No, so when you're separated Joy-Cons, you can just use the second, the, the right yeah. joystick to control the camera. But in handheld mode and when you're using a pro controller, because that joystick controls the sword, in order to activate the camera, you have to hold down the left button and then gotcha. you can use that left or right joystick to control the camera. It, it took a little bit to get used to because I'll start to turn the camera, then I pull my sword out and swing it. And I'm like, oops, didn't mean to do that. Mm. It, not a huge deal, but it yeah. takes a little bit to get used to. Um, but yeah, I've been like really, really Joy-Cons. awesome. That's that's the motion controls I've been using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really it's really solid. Oh, and by the way, I got so everyone can see I got the Zelda Joy Cons. You're gonna have to hold it back because I've cropped your video in to be more vertical. Oh. Yeah, look how sexy yeah, those yeah. are. Is the is the left Joy Con darker? Because I noticed that in the picture you sent earlier as well. Yeah, they're actually two different colors. Oh, I didn't even so I didn't realize one that when I saw the blue. Yeah, yeah, and the other yeah. one is actually purple. Mm, that's they look hot. Really, really nice. That's hot. And they're, I mean, they're, they're Joy-Cons. They feel just like Joy-Cons. But no, it's not coincidence. My Joy-Cons broke. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Amazon and order some new ones. And I saw those on stock. And I'm like, uh, right now, yes, I will order those. <laughs> For the same because price as regular Joy-Cons? Yes, please. I think actually they were 10 bucks more. Because I guess Joy-Cons are now 70 bucks, not 80 On Amazon mm, Nintendo Store, they were $70 for all the other Joy-Con colors. But these were 80 I don't know. Which to me was the normal price for Joy-Cons. That's what I expected to pay. Um, but I got them, yeah. And nice. I didn't expect to. It was total, like, total surprise to see that. It was pretty awesome. But I'm glad I got it. It's nice. Um, yeah, I like it so far. I hope to, to finish that, that soon. Um, other things I played this week. Played a little bit of GTA Online for, for game night. Um, <laughs> Talos, Matt, uh, and I stole jets from the military base. Oh, I should say they stole jets. I could never do it, and they kept <laughs> they kept pushing me to do it, and Peer I finally pressure. did it, and then died immediately. <laughs> I would say pressure. They were. It's, they were, they it's were worth noting pushing. that being gentle push. Uh, Dane attempted to join us as well. Got, yeah. He had it on P- PS3. He got his PS3 out, did a system update, downloaded the game, <laughs> got it up and running. As soon as you left, he joined the voice chat, and he's like, all right, I'm ready to go. And when I looked up whether it was cross-gen, it says yes, but it's cross-gen and PS4, PS5, not PS4, PS3. So he just oh, no. he played some GTA online alongside <laughs> us on the same voice chat while we played, too. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, he spent a lot of time on that too. He did, because <laughs> I was looking forward to playing with Dave. But the time he joined in, I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, would have been nice to play with you, but I guess I won't be able to play with him anyway. Shame. Good game though. I wouldn't mind playing. I wouldn't mind doing one of the heists if you get a fourth person in there doing a heist. That'd be fun. Speaking of heists and criminal activity, I also played Animal Crossing New Horizons a little Ooh, bit this week. Twist. Um, twist and i don't know why i started playing i just kind of picked it up and i cleaned up my town a little bit um he assured my villagers i didn't leave they're like it's been two months since i last talked to you <laughs> um some of them told like, me to want to leave the islands and i'm like no you're staying <laughs> and um and yeah things are looking good on my island it's all cleaned up now i haven't really didn't really do much i bought some turnips earlier today um and i'm like well, what maybe maybe i'll get back into this and now that all the Mario items are there, and I'm like, I think I might be able to do something on the side of the island with the Mario items. That'd be kind of cool. I think I wanted to do that. Um, but I I was wondering, like, man, what updates have they have they done to this game since I last played it? And I checked. They So they used to do monthly updates. Every month, there was a new update for seasonal stuff or just, like, events every month. 
there has not been an update since April 28th. Which is a old while. Games old. That's, that's almost three months now. Yeah. And they're still saying, nope, we have more content we're going to release for it. So I'm still crossing my fingers we get that like 2.0 update that does big stuff. Gives me that new Nook's Cranny I always wanted, the upgrade for it. Um, that's what I call so, my uh, vagina. <laughs> Nook's Cranny. <laughs> So I think I'll I think I'll I'll check in every once in a while, just kind of keep my town clean, make sure my villagers don't leave my island on me. And because if Molly leaves, I'd be devastated. Molly is the most important little duck in the entire world. Oh, she's amazing. Um, so I'm gonna check in with that once in a while, but I'm, I'm keeping my hopes up that we're still gonna get that 2.0 update. And that is everything that I played this week. Chad, are you ready to move into the quest log? Spaghetti. Let's do it. First story from Sony Questlog, the only story in the Sony Questlog. Insider claims multiple PC ports for PlayStation exclusives are coming, says Dennis Patrick at GameRanks. By the way, this is the Dennis Patrick episode. When I was putting the notes together, I'm like, oh, and this story from Dennis Patrick. <laughs> Every fucking story seemed to have Dennis Patrick in it. So good job, Dennis Patrick, for doing so many stories this week. They all ended up here. So the Insider making the claim here about PlayStation PC stuff is Lance McDonald. He tweeted this exactly. This is the verbatim quote from Lance McDonald. He said, if Bloodborne gets announced for PC, I'd love to smugly say, I secretly knew about this all along, but it would be a lie. I am aware of multiple um, upcoming PC ports of PlayStation exclusive games, but sadly, none are Bloodborne. However, I still have hope it'll just come out of nowhere. So two things there. One, we have many PC ports coming, apparently, if this insider is to be believed. And two, Bloodborne isn't one of them, which has been rumored recently. So that is that is interesting. And this is makes sense with some of the um, stories we've had recently where that leaked um, presentation from Sony showed that Uncharted 4 is going to be coming. Um, so we know about that one. That's the only other one we're aware of coming, though, at least. And he says yeah. there's multiple. Well, they just bought. My question what was: you, it Nixies or Nixus or something like that? That piece, that Nixies, studio yeah, Nixies, who yeah. specialized in PC ports. Yeah. So. Presumably, though, these are not from Nixies, or they were from Nixies when they weren't owned by Sony. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My question for you is: What would you want to see? And this kind of has an added element too of now it could come to Steam Deck, which is kind of a whole new element in this conversation now. Fucking all of it. I don't care. <laughs> all of it? Yeah. All of it. The whole library. I understand that, like, hey, exclusives are important, and they are, and those games are amazing, but, like, I don't care if PC players get to play PlayStation games. Yeah, it, more people get to play The Last of Us Part Two. That's amazing. Huzzah. The more people get to play Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. These games are amazing. Um, they won't get necessarily haptic support, although you can use, like... You can use your DualShock on DualSense yeah. on PCs and it has haptic support for like remote play, so maybe. But like, yeah, I mean, why not? Just bring it all, especially the whole backlog of things that are not selling anymore on PS5. Like, uh, sure, Uncharted 4, yeah. do it. Days Gone, do it. God of War 2018, yes, please. Like, release it all. 100%, yeah. Now, when you say release it all, you're talking backlog games you're not saying when for horizon forbidden west comes out that's going to be pc ps4 ps5 i honestly don't care it won't be 
it won't be day and date future releases for a yeah. long time if they ever. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't care. Do it. I mean, same thing happened with yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake, right? Or they announced it as coming to PC, but it hasn't yet, or something like that. No, I think it was. I think it was something PC like that, and PS5, yeah. but or PS4. But yeah, it, that's. I don't think that's going to fragment the audience in any meaningful way because console players are going to play things on console, PC players are going to play things on PC, and it's just like yeah, it it, mm-hmm. it gets more people to play these amazing games, and if it's a, a great experience on PC, awesome. I don't care. Do yeah, I, I agree. And um, this uh, I actually kind of had a change of mind on a pretty big topic um, this week in relation to this. Um, David Jaffe and excuse me, and Colin Moriarty did a live stream together where they they debated the PS4 PS5 cross gen conversation. Um, Colin was like, oh, no, this is bad. David Jaffe was saying this is actually a good thing. And David Jaffe, I think, made the the better argument here and it's kind of swimmy on cross-gen and i was already okay with playstation games coming to pc but it makes me like more okay with it and here's what david jaffe said this makes so much sense when sean Layden left playstation one of the things he said was games are getting too expensive to make you can't spend five years making a 40-hour experience you need to start spending two and a half years making a 15-hour experience because you can't you can't um keep making the games the way that we're making them and not expect these budgets to to blow up. And by having these games cross-gen, by having these games come to PC, you basically get to have your cake and eat it too. You get to have these huge 40-hour game experiences and the budget can be bigger because they're also going to sell it on more than one platform. But it allows them to do things that they couldn't have done before. So like if you want the biggest best PlayStation games, they got to come to PC. They got to come to last gen hardware. And as much as like, yeah, that's going to hold these games back in some ways, it actually might push them forward in others because they can spend more time and more money doing certain things within the technical confines of those multiple platforms. So like held back in some ways, but made better in others. Yeah. And I'm like, like why you could I have think a, that's a compromise a that I can get. version a little bit or, that's cross-gen, or you could maybe not have the game at all if you want it to be exclusive because we can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, do you want a big 40-hour grand God of War experience, or do you just want a 10-hour experience because it has SSD capabilities? Like, I kind of yeah. would take the 40-hour bigger experience. You know, when you talk about waiting for so long for these games, the the... This, the stature of a game like Last of Us Part 3 coming out. I want that to be as grand as possible and got to come to PC in order for that to happen. Or maybe not at launch, but like later on, they know they're going to release it on PC. Yeah. They know they'll have that <clears throat> revenue coming in at that point. Like it just allows them to make more risks. And especially, and this is the other element that came into it, especially now that they're competing with Microsoft, they have to. They don't have the deep pockets that that Microsoft does. Like obviously they're a huge, like multi-billion dollar company, but when your competitor is a multi-trillion dollar company in market valuation, you know, you your money doesn't go as far as their money does. So you you got to start making, uh, you know, uh, different approaches to to compete. And this is what that looks like. Yeah. So so credit <clears> to <throat> David Jaff for that one. That was an interesting point from him, I thought. Speaking of new games and new platforms for games, report, third-party quest log now, report Netflix is adding games, quote, 
in the next year, says Luke Plunkett at Kotaku. So Netflix hired Mike Verdu as the VP of game development. I wonder what he's going to do there. Um, Because of this and his previous experience at EA and Facebook Oculus, it highly suggests Netflix will be making a move to enter gaming, which Mike Verdu basically just said um, interview. Um, They have, I mean, again, like, the head of game development what are they doing obviously they're making games um this change will allegedly happen within the next year and i think most interestingly it's not going to cost you any extra per month it's just going to be included with your subscription which is first of all very unlike netflix i feel like anytime they add a new feature it's like oh this is going to be a new package it's the premium plan i thought the same thing as you until i realized how much people pay for netflix and $18 a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you are streaming in 4K, you are paying, like, depending on where you live, anywhere between $18 and $20 a -hmm. month for Netflix, which, you know, compared to Disney Plus at, what, $6 or something like that? Or, like, that's, Mm -hmm. it's a a huge difference there. And for what I would argue is maybe worse content. Um, But, so that's not as surprising to me as it was. Like, I initially heard that. I was like, oh, man. And then I was like, oh, wait tricky you're already mm-hmm. charging me way too much for your service to begin with so you better <laughs> include more uh, at at um more content with there with that it's um i think a logical next step i think with game pass mm-hmm. you know coming to everything and netflix having already experimented with um you know like the minecraft uh what's the fucking name of that studio that you hate their games it's the oh, um, Telltale. Telltale, yeah. The Minecraft Telltale thing coming to Netflix uh, quite a few years ago. And uh, it, it makes sense for them to not only stream content, but also stream games. So Also, uh, since they seem to have a growing amount of game, uh, game-inspired game TV shows, The Witcher, Castlevania, right. Resident Evil, like Assassin's they kind of have a gamer audience yeah. watching their content. Like, why not also have games available for them, too, to kind of lock them in more? Yeah, and if it's coming at no extra cost per month, it also tells me that they're probably using the Stadia model where you will pay for the games, but you'll stream them to whatever device you want via Netflix. Mm-hmm. But that also... Yeah, and I th- yeah, go for it. I think you brought up a good point in text message, and I actually, I was, I, uh, which was about um, how do you integrate this with Netflix and other TVs and um, kind of the multitude devices that they're on and controller support. I was actually wondering if you could talk about that. Cause I thought that was a really, really good yeah. point, a really good challenge they are going to have to overcome. It's, it's something that they'll have to figure out two, two things about it. One is that how do you get it on iOS devices? Because what Xbox and what, um, Stadia realized mm-hmm. in the last years, you're not allowed to thanks to Apple's app store rules. So they had to build it in the browser and Netflix does not support doing things through browser. Everything's app based. Um, so that's going to be a hurdle that they have to figure out. How do we get that to the billions of devices that are out there that are iOS devices? But then also, if you think about the way that so many old people and technologically not savvy people consume content because there are better ways to consume it that they just don't understand or know about, they watch it through the built-in app on their TV and that terrible, horrible user interface. And Or that they, fire stick. Or the fire stick, yeah. Or... They cast things from their phone to a Chromecast. I didn't realize, first side side note, I didn't realize that Chromecast doesn't have like its own operating system with apps. Like everything, yeah. y- you you stream it from your phone, which means your phone is incapacitated yeah. the whole time. It's like that's a fucking terrible experience. Anyway, so hey, so many people sucks. Google sucks. watch Netflix through their TV's operating system, 
And there are not a lot of TVs out there that have really robust controller support because uh, there, there's no need for that right now. So it's something that like you're going to see a wide range of support whether it's like some of them support certain types of controllers, some of them don't. It might be similar to like HomeKit coming to TVs where, hey, if you bought one in the last year, you got this new thing and Netflix can stream games to it. But if it's any older than a year, so it's alienating a ton of people, then no, you don't get this cool new feature that is included with your subscription. So it, that's an interesting little wrinkle that they've got to figure out um, how they tackle that because they're not going to be able to rely on literally just like using a remote to play fucking The Witcher. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, I think what might be an easy way, maybe not the best way, but an easy way to get around this is it's a service available on PlayStation, on Xbox, and on gaming devices that um, that have Netflix on it. And then if you're accessing it, or even like an Apple TV as well, but if you're accessing it on a Fire Stick, no go. If you're accessing it on a TV app, like no go because of everything that, that you mentioned with like getting controllers to connect like even if you got a bluetooth controller to connect that samsung tv hasn't figured out latency and how to compensate for latency when doing button prompts on a controller like the way a playstation would or an xbox would like xbox series x is all like that latency stuff to like make it better when you're playing wireless like uh, i doubt tlc did that for their tvs <laughs> um so maybe like maybe at the beginning of this they just do the game consoles which i think would still cover a lot of netflix's customers because most the most accessed the the device you use the most to access netflix are gaming devices do you think that sony and, and xbox are going to be okay with letting a rival gaming service onto their platform that's that's the other part of it that i'm curious about i think microsoft would be okay with it because they want to um, get they, they want to get in on the others. They're like, hey, let's put Game Pass on Switch. Let's put Game Pass on PlayStation. Exactly. Kind of like how, like you can access your Apple TV content on a Fire Stick if you wanted to. Right. You can get the Apple TV app. You can get Apple TV um, Plus on there. Like you can do all. That. You can't buy apps. You can't or you can't buy movies. You can't buy subscriptions in the Apple TV app on a fire stick but you can access it so maybe it'll kind of work like that possibly and there's so much about the business model we don't know about it's kind of hard to like fully predict this um but yeah i think it's like will they allow it i think xbox would but you're right playstation would be my first company to say oh no hell no they're not doing it but netflix data mine could suggest a partnership with playstation says liam wiseman at ign so playstation trademarks were found in a data mine of the ios netflix app Images of PS5 controllers and Ghost of Tsushima were found. Netflix's gaming initiative is apparently codenamed Shark. And then earlier this year, Sony Netflix signed a deal bringing Sony Pictures to Netflix um, first after a theatrical release. I am so curious about this data mine because data mine is like the best, most accurate form of leak that you can have. It basically means Netflix put an initiative to have developers put that together. They wouldn't have done that if they were just trying to get a talk with Sony about this. You yeah. know what I mean? So this, I think, kind of changes the conversation, but I have no idea what this means. I, I can't fathom what this means. I have no clue. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I mean, this might be... Oh, no, not if it's pushed to production. Like, if they data mine the production version of this app, I was thinking that maybe they're like, hey, we'll throw in some screenshots as a pitch to Sony. Like, this is what the experience could look like on Netflix. If we yeah, were yeah, yeah. But no, that's not, that's not what this is. This was past that. Uh, yeah, this... this 
brings into to so many things into play. Like, is this something that they're just... Are they viewing this as basically another, hey, is we're going to bring it to PC and we're also going to bring it to Netflix? Like, just another mm-hmm. outlet that people can access it on. How does this compete with PlayStation Now, which already lets you stream games? Like, this is a, literally a direct competitor to their service. And Is it included with PlayStation Plus? Is it included with Netflix? Do you, which one do you log in with? Like, do, do you have access to your PlayStation backlog with your Netflix account? Like, that's uh, so many crazy things that are that have got to be figured yeah. out if there's a, a relationship with these two people. I think what is more likely... Rather than like uh, integrating those accounts somehow and having your PlayStation backlog show up, I think what's more likely is probably like the Steam partnership that PlayStation has, where you don't get Ghost of Tsushima on PC automatically. You still have to buy it, but it's just available there. So, like, you probably yeah. won't be able to move your save over or move your content over or get trophies on Netflix, but it's available to stream it if you want it, maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a big old wrinkle there. That's yeah, it's really. It's a it's a lot for sure. One possibility too is that kind of like how EA Play is a part of Xbox uh, Game Pass now. Like maybe oh, if you subscribe to Netflix, you're also gonna get like uh, limited access to PS Now or something like that. Like that'll kind of be included in in that. Um, but even then, like somebody doesn't even keep all of their games in there. I don't think Ghost of Tsushima is even on PS Now. Oh no, Ghost of Tsushima is too new. I think for PS Now. Yeah, but if it is like you're kind of saying the stadia model where like you buy it and you can just stream it that way, I think that would make the most sense in terms of Sony being involved with it. Because you're right, Mm -hmm. like if they're going to put it on PC, why not put it on a platform with 150 million users, which is like double that of PC? Yeah. So maybe not double that, but it's more than there are gaming PCs out there. That also Um, brings with it a ton of other things that I didn't think about. You know, with Steam... I don't know how easy it is to share libraries, but with Netflix, there are sometimes 30 people sharing that same fucking Netflix account at the same time. How is how yeah. are they going to keep you from taking these games and just sharing with a ton of people or just giving them your login? I mean, that's something that Netflix should probably figure out anyway yeah. for themselves. Um Because, like, it's nice that you can do that, but it's absolutely not in Netflix's best interest. And if they locked that down and said you can't do it anymore, it'd be a bummer. But I wouldn't be like, how could you do this? Like, it's in their interest to do that. And they kind of should, like, just from a, you know. Well, I mean, technically they have, if you pay for that 4K tier, you also get four simultaneous streams. So it's kind of anything more than that. It's like, hey, there are too many people using this account right now. Then only four people can look at it. But still, like. It's like Apple family sharing. They they call it family sharing. Like they expect it to be done with your family, but people do that with their friends. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Although that is, you know, that's becoming more uh, and more common, especially with like all subscriptions and stuff like that through, you know, Apple family sharing, Google family sharing, all that kind of stuff. Like you pay once mm-hmm. and six people use it. Maybe this is just PlayStation. Like, because PlayStation has not really done that. It's like, hey, anyone who's logged into your console or if you happen to log into a friend's console, then we have these weird rules about how they get to play. But like they don't actually have a a sharing like built-in sharing option for people mm-hmm. who have their own accounts yeah. and you're all part of the same system account like that's that's something that maybe PlayStation needs to figure out too before they I don't know before Netflix yeah. integrates with this that's possible too that they just the gaming side of Netflix might work differently yeah. it's going to have to run off of different servers anyway so that that infrastructure just might be different who knows and there's 
there is so much we don't know about this. I think the one thing we can say for certain is that Netflix is absolutely getting into gaming 100%. I think there's zero doubt about that at this point. You know what else is a weird wrinkle? What? Mike Verdu is VP of Game Development. Yeah. Not like some catch-all term where it's like, oh, he's getting relationships with other game platforms or publishers or things like that to get shit released. Yeah. No, they're developing con- their he's own the VP games. Of game content. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this th- that's not surprising to me because Netflix at the very beginning said that – I remember this ex- explicitly because I remember being, sh- whoa, shocked by this, but it ended up being totally true – is they Netflix said at the beginning that right now we have a handful of shows like House of Cards and like that kind of stuff. But they said that their goal at the very beginning was so that half of all programming on Netflix was original content. And the reason they said it is that like it's the only way to make this viable going forward because then we rely less on expensive uh, expensive contracts with companies to get content only for limited time. Like here, if we invest in if we spend that same amount of money investing in one of our own shows and making our own show, then we just have it forever. And it's ours now, and it is an, ex- an, an exclusive content that's only here that's a draw to Netflix. And I feel like that same logic applies to whatever gaming industry they're going to want to have. They yeah. can't just rely on PlayStation alone because PlayStation might back out one day, and then they're like, fuck, what are we going to do? So they kind of have to develop their own games, and I think it's a lesson that they've learned in in the, in the movie sphere. So I think that I think that makes sense. But if this is happening next year, how far into this are they? Is this going to be a Google Stadia thing again where they're like, our platform is so powerful and no games take advantage of it. But just you wait. We have studios like, I, yeah, hopefully they have something. It's going to turn into an Amazon or a Stadia with their internal studios. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the story is fascinating. A lot of big deal stories with Steam Deck and this. Like these are both huge deals yeah. that will absolutely change the face of of gaming whether or not they are successful or not like either way this will have an impression on the future of gaming um this is really interesting stuff i think any more thoughts on netflix and sony no i'm just really curious netflix in general yeah me too i'm curious and we'll find out more about it moving on to the fetch quest which we have a ton of and we actually might spend some time talking about some of these because these are also some really big stories in here uh one Hogwarts Legacy will apparently feature some sinister magic, says the writer of this episode, Dennis Patrick, at Game Ranks. <laughs> um, this is not surprising, but exciting. Yeah, I mean, to, to know you can... that you'll be able to kill people, you can use those unforgivable curses. However, there is no way that WB, or if they even, I forgot about the whole WB acquisition thing with, who got them, DirecTV or something like that? I don't remember, but I, I guarantee you this game is not going to be M-rated. It is going to be T-rated oh, at yeah. the most. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're going to see somebody out there throwing around Sectum Sempra and making people bleed out their faces and chest. <laughs> it's going to be like, <laughs> oh, you can probably like make someone writhe in pain or you can just kill them on demand. Like, you won't see blood and guts and shit. But yeah, yeah. you'll have some morality. <laughs> morality has always been a big part of the Harry Potter kind of universe. Like, are you Gryffindor? Are you Slytherin? Oh, the Slytherins are like more shit. That's always been a part of that universe that I kind of mm-hmm. feel like if this game is about you as a student, not a character in the books, like just your own self in this world, that that morality stuff, I feel like is just a part of. Of that where they kind of have to to include it to yeah. me, it'd be like having a Star Wars game without the you know dark side and the light side of the force like that's like you have to have that if you're going to tell a star wars story of some kind like that's going to play into it in some way 
Um, so yeah, I think that's well. I can't wait for that game. If you're gonna if you're gonna tell a Cosmos story, really. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I didn't mean to get rid of the original. Carl right. Sagan, the one Carl to bring Sagan. balance to the force. Yep. <laughs> um, next story, Final Fantasy ten three could potentially happen once Final Fantasy VII Remake finishes, says Kazuma Hashimoto at Silicon Era. Chad, have hey. you played 10-1 and 10-2? Don't do it. Don't make 10-3. Don't do it? <laughs> Don't make 10-3. That's not a good idea. I heard... I heard 10-2 wasn't even, like, that great. Nobody played 10-2. Do you know why? Because they got done with this game with, like, big choices and, oh, my gosh, so-and-so's going to die. What's going to happen? Oh, my God, really cool combat. And you get to the beginning of 10-2 thinking, oh, this is going to be a proper sequel to it. And it's just like, I'm playing as all the girls and, like, I get new dresses and we're pop stars. And it's like, that's not what I wanted from this. Uh, Trevor oh, like Bettis. it's just not even related? No. it's Well, I mean, it's it's related. It's the same characters and some, like, I don't know, offshoot of a storyline. But no one played more than one hour in that game and got disappointed except for Trevor Bettis. Um, <laughs> so, like, we don't need a 10-3 because, first of all, no one's going to play 10-2 all the way through in order to prep for 10-3. But also, like, I, this is going to be a hot take here, but those characters, not super into them. Like, Titus is dumb. He's really fucking dumb. Terrible voice acting. Let's move on to something new and better. Let's remake some of the older, maybe 2D uh, Final Fantasies into 3D. Like, fully imagine those. Those could be cool. Or maybe maybe a proper sequel to one of those. Like, that could be cool. But, like, we can we can leave the 10 universe alone. Nobody wants that. Yeah, they need to make something new. Kind of like what Atlas is doing. Because Atlas is expanding mm-hmm. as they develop mm-hmm. Persona 6. Says the writer of this episode, Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so they're making a new game. They put a survey out, and it sounds like it's going to take a little while because they want Persona 6 to be better than 5, which is all order, considering... Uh, I mean, I haven't played Persona 5, but I mean, it, it seems like it's a classic... People love it. JRPG. And you literally People have to spend, it. I think, 100 hours in it. And There's, like, literally yeah, a countdown yeah. clock in the game of 100 hours. Like, all right, do everything you can before the game dies. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they got to make it 101 for Persona 6. Tencent reportedly planning to acquire Crytek through subsidiaries as Thomas Whitehead at Nintendo Life. This story very much concerns me. Um, we all know that Chinese government and Chinese businesses are kind of in cahoots with one another. That's how that that's how the Chinese government works. What's concerning to me about this is that Crytek makes military simulations and I don't really feel comfortable with a really any foreign government having access to our military simulations like that, or at least having within their economic uh, scope people who made those simulations. That just seems like not an awesome idea. I didn't realize just that was part that of Crytek's portfolio. I I didn't either until I started looking into the story a little bit. But yeah. Um, if they just made crisis, like whatever, um, we all know China's expanding. We all know that they want a more global reach, as any country would try to do, um, and especially in their position where they're, you know, on track to become a superpower. Uh, well, they are a superpower, but knocking America out as the number one superpower. Um, but that I think is kind of like over the line. That's a little like, eh. considering how we know that, like. We, we know this for a fact. This isn't even speculation. Like, why do you think Huawei phones look like iPhones? Because company secrets get traded 
including like specs from Foxconn that Apple's working on, will get sent to Hawaii. Like this is like what happens there. Um, so like this stuff does get shared. And if it's like products, it's like, oh, that's kind of shitty. They got a leg up and didn't have to do the R&D cost. They just were able to kind of copy what other people are doing. This is like, oh, no, no, they have access to potential military information. Not good. <laughs> that's just not good. Not good. Yeah, I didn't realize that yeah. part of it. I was thinking like, okay, Tencent's investing in another, I don't know, washed up game company. <laughs> 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 I think of them just kind of like THQ Nordic. It's like, oh, let's invest in all of these like B tier things. Because I just looked up the games that they've worked on. It's like, yeah, they did Crisis all the way through Crisis Three, and then they just released the remaster versions, and they did something called the Huntsman or a Hunt Mission or something like that. But like, they don't, they haven't done much gaming wise in the last decade. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if people use CryEngine outside of Crytek. I don't know. But yeah, I don't I mean, know. That's, they might, that's, that's a little concerning to me. Yeah, the military aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I also didn't realize, too, how many companies Tencent is involved in. Oh, yeah. Tencent's got a piece a, of everything. They have, um, they have a huge um, share in uh, Blizzard, which would mm-hmm. make sense why Blizzard shut down that uh, Blitzchung thing, because they probably had someone from Tencent going, uh-uh, nope, cut it off. Exactly. Um, especially the influence that, that they have, yeah. That was part of the whole debacle around it, is that, like, they were, people were complaining that they had, that China, through Tencent, had too much influence over Blizzard in order to make these decisions, and they thought that Blizzard was just a mouthpiece for them, and then Blizzard was like, no. It's part of our terms and conditions with not being pressured by China, we promise. Um, so it was part of the whole debacle there with Free Hong Kong. Uh, sure they were pressured by China. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about political subjects in every other country, just just not China. But it's not because of China's pressure right. from China's government. No, there's no way. There's no way. Anyway, we don't talk about politics on this, but I, it was kind of relevant for that story. Um, the Last of Us Part Two receives an official price cut. Speaking of very political topics, um, says the writer of the show, Dennis Patrick, at Game Ranks, it's now forty dollars, which is an absolute steal if you haven't played Good. it. Blah 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 blah. Go get it. Yes. It's been about it. a year. Great game. Wonderful. Everyone paid 60 bucks for it. Awesome. If you haven't paid 60 bucks, now you can pay 40 bucks. And you should. You fucking yep. should. You should, because it's a premier survival horror experience, just like Resident <laughs> Evil Reavers, which was suddenly <laughs> delayed to 2022. This is John Walker Kotaku. I, I'd be fine if they just never released this game. Right? I don't care. I can't remember. So Reverse, they showed off alongside Village, and they're like, this is the cool yeah. multiplayer thing. You'll get to play as Leon and some of your other favorite characters. I can't remember. Is this included with your purchase of Village, or is this something is. else? Yeah. Okay. So eventually included, everyone's yeah. going to get this. It was supposed to come out this yeah. month, but then they're just like, hey, we're approaching that date really quick. Let's give ourselves another <laughs> at least six months. I think it was also delayed to this month and then was, delayed yeah. again to 2022. I think it was supposed to be at launch with Village. So, yeah, not a great sign. And even the trailers for it, I'm like, that's framey in a trailer. And I've heard people say, like, oh, that looks really framey in the trailer. And I watch the trailer. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You're crazy. That looks fine. But this was like. I'm not usually that sensitive to this kind of stuff, but I, even I watch the trailer. I'm like, ooh, that don't look good, and that's yeah. like their best footage that they got for this trailer. So, like, so yeah, I'm not surprised it got delayed, but I also don't care. Yeah, I got my what I got you? my fill from Village already. I got my sixty bucks worth. I don't I don't need this. I'll play it again just, whenever it comes out because it's free, and then I'll be disappointed for ten minutes. I also just don't care about online multiplayer Resident Evil. Yeah. 
like when we played Resistance last year, it's just like this isn't what I want from Resident Evil. It just doesn't work for me. And this looks like an even more of a deviation. At least the like at least Resistance was trying to be some sort of survival horror, like with your friends. Um, Reverse looks like a brawler with you know notable final uh, not final fantasy with notable resident evil characters it, it is like trying to be like the dissidia of like resident oh, yeah. evil um but multiplayer and deathmatch i don't know i don't think it looks that great anyway 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 don't expect any ea star wars game announcements until 2022 says the writer of this show dennis patrick at game ranks um Good thing they said it in ahead of time. I totally would have expected to see Jedi Fallen Order 2 next week. Yeah. Had they not said this. Yeah, EA Play's coming up. So They got to yep. set those expectations. And you know everyone's going to be like, they said it's not going to be there, but they're just trying to divert our <laughs> attention so they can surprise us. I'm like, no, guys, just fucking don't look for it. It's not there. <laughs> the first company that does that, like, says it's not going to be there, and then it is there, is going to ruin everything for every company yep. going <laughs> um yeah i good thing they said it um there was another actually there's another studio that said we're not oh skate skate's also not going to yeah. be there they said that but that's not surprising I yeah especially because the last off. time that we saw them they're like we're doing it we heard y'all wanted and, <laughs> and we talked earlier this morning on a group zoom call and like we think we're gonna make it <laughs> that was and the then, last update uh, on top of that um they said in there, like, we're not going to be at EA Play. It sounds like the studio got together for the first time in January of this year. Yeah. So, the, yeah, there's no way that this game is coming out anytime soon. I bet they have hardly any work done on it. They basically announced that game before they even had a team together to make it. Yep. That's crazy. Speaking of crazy, Ubisoft delays Rainbow Six Extraction again. And Riders Republic, says Nathan Grayson at Kotaku. Someone in our fantasy league just added Riders Republic to their fantasy. Oh, really? <laughs> just added it, yeah. I don't remember who it was, but someone just, just added it. Um, so, damn. I hope he didn't spend too much on it. Do you care about any of that? Uh, I mean, Rainbow Six Extraction looked cool, but... Fine. Delay it. This Make it a good game. last half of the year, for me at least, is so packed... Oh, yeah. If I hear something is delayed, it's like, good, cool. Now I can spend time playing the other games. Yep. When's 100%. August 20th hits? It's like nonstop for the rest of the year for me. Like every What's month. What's August 20th in particular? Out. Is that Death Loop? Uh, Ghost, uh, Ghost of Shima Director's Cut. Oh, Ghost. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I think Hades is coming around that time, too. And I, I now that we're far enough removed from the Game Awards and it didn't win Game of the Year over Last of Us Part 2, I think I'm ready to give Hades a chance. I bought it weeks ago and started playing it a few weeks ago and i don't care about it so much that i had <laughs> didn't even bring it up for playtime i don't i'm so amazed that that game got game of the year praise because i was just it was kind of past it and i'm like all right yeah let me give it a try but this is really good like it's fine it's not a bad game but I'm like, really this is like the big game of the year could beat out last of us part two like no fucking way no fucking way dallas says it was him no who way. had riders republic <laughs> oh dallas he just you needed he games just too. this week put a bunch of bets on a bunch of games for the first time i'm like oh look at you actually committing to the game and then i, <laughs> I was like oh i forgot got. about that i'm gonna put some bets in too and he's like fuck i can't believe i just brought this up 
and I ended up putting bets on a bunch of things he already had bets on. So I don't know. I'm going to check and see. Oh, I saw someone got Forza Horizon 5, and what a good get. How did no one already have Forza Horizon 5? Yeah, good, good get. That was a really good get. I don't know. I think someone had it. Um, if you put a bit on it, I'm a looking at the list right sure. now. But I think Dallas also put a bit on it. But he has a lot more money because that was literally his first bit he ever made. Oh, wow. Dallas got a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. He got Forza. Oh, no, I got Forza. Booty is treasure is me. And I got Life is Strange True Colors. Those are two good gets. Those are really good gets. Yeah, Forza, because that's been around for a while now since E3. Yeah, it's been about a month. That I'm, it was I'm, a re- yeah, I'm surprised no one bid on that. Um, yeah. Oh man, yeah, Dallas picked up a ton of shit. (laughs) Yeah, Dallas didn't, he literally just had his normal draft picks and now he's maxed out. Yep. And actually, some of these games too don't even, I don't even think these are bad picks. I mean, in hindsight, Writer's Republic didn't work out, obviously, but But I don't think that was a bad pick before. He's just not going to get points. He's not going to get dinked for it, yeah. Um,. Yeah, like Blaster Master Zero Three, I can see that doing well. Lost Judgment, I can see that doing well. I don't know what Skatebird is, but like anything, you know, Skatebird is that bird? that indie game with the. It's literally a bird that skateboards. Oh, and that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Oh, and Final Fantasy Fourteen Endwalker, good get. Super Mario Party Superstars, that one could be kind of risky. Super Mario Party can can go either way. That could yeah. be a really good game or a really bad one. But excuse me, but considering how late you got into this, Dallas, you did a really good job. Proud of you. You did a good job. Tales of Arise. That's a good get. Actually, how did no one get Tales of Arise? That's obviously going to review really well. Yeah. Good get. Good get. He's going to freaking come back and slay us all. And he only spent 50 bucks out of his 100. So he's got 50 bucks left to play with. That's pretty good. I need to drop Elden Ring. I don't know why I still have Elden Ring. I need to drop that and find someone else to fill its spot. Did we? I thought we disabled drops, didn't we? You know, oh. I thought I saw, let me look in the league history. I think someone dropped something recently. I don't know. IDK might be a tough Joe. One second. I can find out pretty quick. Yeah, drop successful. Yeah, um, Dallas dropped God of War Ragnarok and Breath Mm. of the Wild too. So yeah, you can drop Mm. stuff. I'm going to drop Elden Ring and I'm going to find something else to to spend my remaining $14 on. (laughs) We'll do that after the show. No one bid on anything. Yeah, what we should do before um, before my final episode, we should bring everyone on and do like a this is where we are with with draft and kind of where we think things are going to go for the rest of the year, because we all have really good picks. And even some of us who who have um, haven't gotten as many points, there's still so many opportunities with the games that they have to get points. I still think this is anyone's game. So we should get everyone together and and figure that out. Also, it could be Dallas's game now because he's actually playing. Right. Right. (laughs) um cool so oh last two stories um god of wars christopher judge to voice marvel's avengers black panther andrew's uh andrew uh, kia at playstation lifestyle what a great fucking pick i also feel like his voice isn't that coming out for it almost like immediately like how are we only hearing about this now (laughs) black panther release date avengers game August 14th. Yeah, that's in less than a month. This How are we must just be... finding out who's voicing him? Boy. Don't What's be funny, sorry, so the better. original version of the headline said um, Judge 2 voice Marvel's Avengers. Now it says Will voice Black Panther. So maybe... 
<clears throat> Are they just recording that dialogue right now? I'm rereading the article right now to see. Yeah, because I didn't realize it was that close. I'm I'm being suckered back into that too. Brent's always trying to get us to play that game. Matt said he downloaded it oh, last week just because he got a, a little hair up his butt. And now Dallas out there posting on Twitter. Man, I miss playing as Iron Man. And now I'm just like, fuck. And y'all, I'm not going to miss out I, on all I, that quality bonding time. Of course I'll go and play it again. <laughs> I Besides the, the fun of playing with your friends, I just don't see what the appeal of that game is. It just does not look fun to me. It is. Just, don't get it, it. It is fun until it's not. And okay. the, I always forget about the single player. The single player is like a legit good campaign. Like that's worth 40 bucks on its own. Maybe they're just announcing that it's Christopher Judge right now. Probably. Of course Dallas has it downloaded already. That's what he just said. Fucking A. I'll download <laughs> it too. And the last story of the week. I actually just don't have the specific article referencing here because we just added in literally right before we started recording. Or in the middle recording, was it? Yeah, middle recording is when we added this. It was Metroid Prime um, Trilogy is apparently already done, but... Nintendo is just waiting for the right time, and this is coming from Jeff Grubb, who said this, and this is now the second kind of notable journalist to say this, because Imran Khan said this, I think, in 2018. Like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. 2018, yeah, a few years ago now. So, um, <laughs> He said the same thing back then. He said, in 2018, it was done. They're just waiting yeah. on the right time, marketing-wise, to release it. Yeah, And then we got that, that weird around. thing like three or four months ago that developers like, hey, I used to work there and it's going to be a lot harder. It's going to take like three people a lot of months. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, I still laugh at that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take three people about a year to, to make this thing. And I don't know, Nintendo will only probably make tens of millions of dollars off of that <laughs> game. So I yeah, don't know so if Jeff they want to do that. He's he's. I'm surprised people are still telling him shit because it seems like he is leaking everything that ever anyone's ever told him over the last like six he, months. But he's getting shit because earlier in the year, he I like Jeff Grubb. I'm just saying I just I've seen this a lot of this on the uh, Elden Ring subreddit. People are getting him shit because um, earlier in the year in like February, he's like, we're less than a month from hearing about Elden Ring. And then it never happened. Um. Probably he heard something and then plans changed is my guess because Keeley got it for Summer Games Fest or something like that, which he was the one who said Keeley has it for Summer Games Fest. Um, so I feel like that's probably why people are giving him shit. It's like, well, back then you said this and it didn't happen. It's like, guys, things happen behind the scenes. It's not like they're lying to you. Sometimes I'm sure that happens, but I don't think that's happening with Jeff Grubb. Yeah. They just give me the fucking Metroid Prime trilogy. I don't care how far away four is. I just want to play those games again. Come on. My my guess would be, like hypothetically, I don't. I'm not saying this has to happen next year specifically, but just like hypothetically, it's next year's E3, and they're like, here's the trailer for Metroid Prime Four coming in 2013. But later this year, you can play the Metroid Prime trilogy. It's going to be something like, I mean, Jeff Grubb said it was going to be part of like their marketing beat for Metroid Prime. But I feel like once they show off Metroid Prime 4 and then give a release window for that, that's when we'll see the Prime trilogy, I think. Is it? But they don't need to do it right now because Metroid Prime. I just Dread. looked up because, you know, there's the, the Mario 35th anniversary. Here's the collection. The Zelda 35th anniversary. Here's fucking nothing. 
And then it's uh, it is Metroid's 35th anniversary next month. Nothing. Oh, that was another thing people were mad about Jeff Grubb is after um, Skyward Sword was shown off earlier this year, Jeff Grubb was the one who said, nope, they have Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. They are coming later on this year. Is what he said. I, he either said later on the show or just later on they're coming. And, they still um, and that mean, obviously but... didn't happen. Um, but I think, it, it, again, Jeff Grubb, I think, made a good point here is that he said that they're not happening this year because if Breath of the Wild 2 doesn't make it for next year, they Nintendo probably wants to have Zelda come out at some point next year. And rather than make this thing based on Zelda's 35th anniversary this year, they might need it to save next year. So that that, that makes sense. Sentiments are nice, but if they have nothing next year because of a sentiment this year, yeah. probably not the best business move. So, anyway, that is all the stories that we have this week. Let's go to Game on Chad. Game Show. The Game on Show on a Game Show. We play a game called Game on Game Show on a Game Show. Game, 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 game. Let's stick on this Zelda train, Holden. Ooh, Let's Zelda. stick on this Zelda yeah. train. I have been... I, I'm restless. I am restless Ooh. thinking about Bioshock. <laughs> I have Speaking been thinking of Zelda. about Bioshock so much over the last hundred years. But like recently over the last few weeks, I'm just like, what a fucking good franchise. Maybe it's because Skyward Sword reminds me of Columbia um, recently and, and how that went from underwater to the sky. And now this is going from the earth to the sky. But I can't stop thinking about Bioshock and how much I just want more of that game how much I want more of that universe, how much I, we've talked about. I want an HBO show kind of exploring the fall of Rapture. Like, I would fucking that would love be awesome. that. And then it's like, well, let's play a game around figuring out what other properties might make, like, good TV shows. And then I decided, let's fucking, let's, let's figure this Zelda thing out. There was the... There have been the IGN trailer from, like, 20 years ago, the Legend of Zelda movie <laughs> trailer on April Fool's Day. There's the Legend of Zelda um, tease that like, hey, apparently a Netflix show in the works. It's the Legend of Zelda. It's kind of like Game of Thrones, but Zelda. Let's figure this out right now. What is this? What's the, what's the storyline? What's happening in it? Who's cast in it? Let's figure this out right now as part of Game on Game show. You get to pick whether we start as a movie or a TV show. Everything else okay, is Okay, so here's, can there be a third option? Ooh. movie tv show or don't please don't do this no <laughs> like nintendo don't it's do happening, it. it's happening it's happening it's <laughs> happening is it a movie for the or sake of this show? game i'll play along but i just want it to be known i don't want it to happen in real life <laughs> <laughs> are we right, so, what are we doing movie or tv show i'm gonna say tv show okay just because i think that even though I don't like this kind of show, I can see Zelda playing into this well, which is kind of that like semi procedural where like there's an ongoing story to it. But each episode is an adventure with Link and Navi like on the way to and then like there's a big tentpole episode where it's like they're at the forest temple now. And like that's a big episode. But there's also the episode where you're at Lon Lon Ranch getting Epona. And like that's like one episode. But I think games lend themselves well to that, but I also think Zelda lends itself pretty well to that too. Are you from the sounds of it, that sounds like to me like the Pokemon anime. 
Like, oh, there he's gonna collect. He's gonna catch this person. He's gonna fight a tough trainer. But then, like, there are the big pinnacle episodes where he's like, oh my god, he's fighting Brock. He's getting a gym badge, or he's making it to yeah. the Elite Four. Uh, so are I was you thinking even thinking animated or live action. I was thinking, I, I think animated. I don't want to see a live action version of this. I think is a big reason. I think like go to the IGN thing. Obviously, that wasn't the highest budget thing, but I just. It just it, like it looked weird. It is obviously there's the budget part of it, but it looked weird because these are characters that I, I, I don't know. I just I don't want to see what Link looks like in real life. I don't want to see what Ganondorf looks like in real life. I just a realistic Zelda has always been the least interesting Zelda in a lot of ways. Like I love Twilight Princess, but that's not necessarily the aesthetic I'd like from. From Zelda, I like Breath of the Wild. I like Wind Waker. Skyward Sword is a really beautiful like art aesthetic, and those are all more cartoony. When Zelda is at its best art style wise, it's always either full cartoony or semi cartoony. What about something along the lines of like the Final Fantasy Kingsglaive movie that came out with Final Fantasy fifteen, where they're like, we have the whole Game of Thrones cast plus Jesse Pinkman, but it's like it's realistic looking, but it's still animated, and you can do like you can make Ganondorf oh. look weird as fuck. I'll tell you why. Um, how well did Final Fantasy The Spirits Within hold up, visually speaking? Honestly, I mean, it's not awful. If it's you not go back awful, and watch but it, that? it's in that uncanny, un, kind of awkward area, I think. It's like the um, Polar Express is the same kind of thing to me, where it's like, yeah. I get this looks good, but it's off in some way. And I feel like the same thing kind of is true of the realistic Zelda games. Wind Waker will always be more timeless than Twilight Princess because of its art style. I feel like if this is going to be timeless, it should probably be animated. And I think it's important for Zelda to, to be timeless and not something that's a product of its time. Okay. I think something... So we're, we're going to go on like a, a cartoony animated TV show, it sounds like. Not anime. I know if it's really popular board, like now. If you, if, no, yeah, that sounds Would you good. rather see the realistic... Okay, I do not. Okay. I do not want to see an anime. We have so many fucking anime video game adaptations coming out that I don't want another one. I want legit mm-hmm. good animation. Like, ooh, like if we're going like flat two D, like let's go Marvel's What If series, like that really good looking mm-hmm. sexy animation. But I mean, if what we would you say about like, Avatar? Because like, it's not quite anime. I wouldn't say Avatar: Last Airbender. Uh, I, yeah. It's that's it's still cutting it close. And let, no, cutting let's close, okay. let's stray away from it. It needs to be that nice, fluid, sexy, gorgeous. Everything's detailed and moving. <laughs> like that's what it needs to be. It yeah. needs to be that what if style. Um, what is here? Here are some requirements I think I have. Ganon need, Ganondorf needs to be part of it for sure. He needs to be like this yeah. really dope, sexy, like the like the bad boy that like oh my god, I kind of am attracted to that. Mm-hmm. And does that make me demonic? Like, you need that. He needs to be in there. Yeah. But I think almost more important to the story is Zelda. Like, I think Zelda needs to be a legit character with legit motivations. And like we're seeing in Mm -hmm. Skyward Sword, she's actually a pivotal part to the game. Not just like a, oh, at some point in the story, you'll come and find me and I'll give you a light arrow. Um, Yeah. So I think she needs to be badass, but also not in that token, I'm a badass woman who knows kung fu, like that kind of shit. She needs to actually have a good <laughs> like, role um, in the show. What was it in Toy Story 4? Who was um, Bo Peep Bo in Toy Peep? Story 4? It was just yeah. like, yeah, I'm a badass. I'm like, you're yeah. Bo Peep. You, you're a porcelain doll. <laughs> <laughs> so I think even Link can take a back seat to Zelda, and Link's just along for the ride. I think that's important. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so, too. I don't really want Link to be like, I think Link obviously will be like the main hero, obviously. Yeah. Um, But I don't want him talking. I kind of want him to be this kind of maybe like mm. muted, more reserved character. I feel like he's got to talk. I would like talk, if though, Navi. Man. He's got to talk. I think it'd be cool if Navi kind of spoke in on behalf of of Link. So, like, imagine like a Jay and Silent Bob kind of dynamic, but not those characters and with Navi and Link, where Link is Silent Bob, but doesn't really say anything, but Jay knows Silent Bob really well, so he can kind of just, like, speak on behalf of of Silent Bob. And I feel like Navi could kind of play that role. And I think there could be some kind of good humor involved in that. Um, I think that could be... That could be interesting. I don't know, man. How are you going to have... How are you going to have this deep character relation between Zelda and Link if she's always having to go through this intermediary Navi? Maybe they get along well. It's like uh, Wally and Eve had a very deep relationship and you felt for them and you knew they had love between each other. And yeah, Eve's but that's because they expressed love in the way bit. that they could. And like, Eva, Eva, Wally. That's like, that's all the, and you, it's their actions and shit like that. But I mean, like, this is, yeah. Zelda's going to be a but fully also, fledged human with voice and, and thoughts and choice. And, true. and Link's going to be like. They're also so. not really ever in a relationship. Like, even in Skyward Sword so far, at least, like, they're really just childhood friends. Right. When I say relationship, I don't mean like they're fucking making love and popping out little babies, but. <laughs> like they they gotta have a, a, some kind of like deep relationship that causes them to stick together through thick and thin. Yeah, like, even if like Link's been there for her, he's kind of the defender of her. Also, the thing too is like Link doesn't have to just be like random kid in town. Like Link in the past is is even in Breath of the Wild, like he was a knight. So like he could just yeah. be a character that is like watches over um Zelda a lot. Um, like almost like a Steiner kind of character or Steinbeck kind of character. Like he's always watching over Zelda, so he has this like they have that kind of core relationship because he's always been there for her, but he doesn't really say. You mean Steiner from Final much. Fantasy Nine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dyson Steinbeck. That's a that's, that's a, a Zelda a character, but Steiner's what I meant. Yeah. Um. Cool, 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 cool. Is it an adaptation of an existing game or storyline, or is it something brand new? Is the Triforce part of it? Is the Triforce part of Skyward Sword? Don't answer that. That's off topic. Is the Triforce part of this adaptation? Is this television show? (laughs) I feel like... Okay, can I kind of like give this like more of a? Stru- I'm going to answer this, but I kind of feel like I need okay. to talk about like the structure of what I was okay. the structure of the yes. show going because this is actually something as a kid I would think about. So a little background: as a kid, things I loved, I would like like a game or something like that. I would figure out okay, well, because I love TV shows. Like when I was a kid, like okay, what is this game? Is the structure of a TV show? Like how does that you know work? And I did that for Zelda, and one of the things I thought would work is that take like Ocarina of Time for example, right? There's a three season arc to that. Um, there is the first season as a child and then at the end you get the master sword and you like pull it out and then you you're seven years in the future as like the cliffhanger boom season two continues like from that point on so i feel like it should probably fit within the structure of like what a whole game looks like but maybe come up with its own story. So, like, I don't mind if they did, like, a time travel seven years of the future and pulled the Master Sword thing, but I don't know if they need to do all of Ocarina of Time's storyline. I think that, like, for a first season, it might work, where you do, like, Dungeon, 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 Master Sword, and that's, like, the first season of the show, and then the the 
the adult timeline version of it or whatever else happens after he pulls the Master Sword out is like the remainder of the show. And there's like a handful of dungeons, pivotal plot point as the cliffhanger. And then the next season's a handful of dungeons and to kind of get you to that final confrontation with with Ganon. So I feel like to play off elements of the show would work or of the game, previous games to work. But I don't know if I want it to be Ocarina of Time exclusively or Windmaker exclusively one. Yeah. To wait three years for one story that I know already and how it's going to end versus a story I don't know is more exciting to me. Zelda's story is not the most important thing to begin with. So, like, if you pull the story from a game, it would be a really paper thin plot for three years. They need to offer something more than that. And you know what to it get into the lore of? of all these different characters. What? I, it kind of reminds me of Mandalorian season two, where it's like, it's mm-hmm. very much like Monster of the Week, like that kind of. Yeah the structure as you go from episode to episode, but it's also every single one is kind of paying like, Oh, remember this thing from like the Sarlacc pit? Hey, do you remember fucking Boba Fett? Well, there's a whole episode centered around him. Like we can call in little things from, from around the Zelda lore and have have episodes centered around them or like a whole thing where like he has to go to the Goron village and do whatever the fuck you do to Gorons eat rocks. I don't know. But like, yeah, I, I feel like you could, every single episode could be a little bit like that. Yeah, like I think a really good way that could play out, for example, and this is actually very much taking for working of time as well, is um, before you get to the spirit temple, you go to the Gerudo town and you meet, uh, you meet all the Gerudo women who are there. And if there's an episode where like you get to that Gerudo town, you kind of you like they capture you and you have to escape kind of there. The link has to escape with Zelda and, and Navi. Like that would be a cool episode, but it'd also be a cool opportunity to hear the lore of the Gerudo and how Ganondorf, the villain that's, you know, the big villain in this whole game actually came from this group and how they feel about him. And like you could learn more about that dynamic because there actually is an interesting lore there. But it's not that deep in the games. You kind of have to get into the fan sites and discussions. That's the traditional Netflix episode six. Netflix episode six. (laughs) You have this whole thing. You're following these people. And suddenly, for no reason at all, you spend an entire episode learning about a side character that you had. Like, what? What am I? What am I watching? Why am I? Does this have anything to do? And it's all about (laughs) Ganondorf. And it's just like, yeah, him, how he came to be, how he's coming to power and all that kind of shit. And then, boom, throws you right into the penultimate episode. We get that big climax. Yes. Okay, Holden. Okay. It's going to be good. You're getting I do think, though, that pulling the Master Sword out and, and doing the seven-year jump in the future, that's got to that's gotta happen. That's just such a – that's a cool moment for, like, as a – as someone who's never seen Zelda before and that happens and you're like, whoa, like, I didn't see that coming at all. And then for yeah. all the fans can be like, yeah, like, I know what they can do with this. I don't know what they're going to do this time, but, like, I know what they can do with this. This is before. When it happened this time, he, he goes out of the Temple of Time and then, like, Castle Town is destroyed. Like, you kind of get excited about it. And then they still have an opportunity there to do something different with that time jump. And I don't know. Like, I think that moment has to be there for me. It has to be there. Yeah. It's just too perfect. And he's got to say Shazam when he does it, too. So he instantly becomes older. <laughs> no, he doesn't have to say anything. <laughs> That's the only word he speaks in the entire series. Is Shazam! <laughs> cool i think we have a pretty good idea so far yeah i think that's good i think that's i mean if we, if we decide we want to come back and revisit and see what season two looks like after obviously this gets picked up and netflix pays us a ton of money and they make it then we'll pitch season two <laughs> on this show and then there we go i do it. think i do also like the yeah of two it. just zelda and link together on a journey together yeah and that's hard to do in a game but i think in a show that would be like a really magical thing or for fans i still don't want it, any of it to happen to be clear but like if they did it that way i think it'd be, I'd be happier 
You know what? It no one else other than me this year saw this movie, Chaos Walking. It's the movie I heard about it with uh, Daisy Ridley. That fucking she has my heart. Daisy Ridley and Tom Hiddle not Tom Hiddleston, Tom Holland. Um, <laughs> and Daisy Ridley lands on this planet. All the men you can hear their thoughts, and the, it's basically just them on this mm-hmm. journey to. I don't, I don't even fucking remember because the movie's not that worth seeing but um but yeah it was the whole thing is just seeing them on the go together and like them kind of falling in love a little bit or like having that little bit of relationship and then like their struggles but yeah it was nice to kind of see them on the run through the woods trying to get from a to b carry a message to this new town oh my god there's other people out there from us that we didn't realize existed like that that dynamic and watching them go like that was really cool and yeah he tom holland spoke out loud a little bit but it was mostly his thoughts that is the way that he communicated oh. unintentionally. And that could be the Navi. Maybe that's the Navi relationship there. There we go. Fuck. There we go. Tom Holland playing Link. Yes. One. Tom Holland is Spider-Man and Link. Fuck. No, 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 Fuck. no, no, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't want to know anyone in the show. I don't want to know. Anyone. <laughs> I don't want to hear a voice and be like, oh, my God, that's Gilbert Godfrey. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried as Zelda. <laughs> um, here, all right, this is kind of a side point or different topic, but would you want a Metroid TV show or a Metroid movie? I mean, not a TV show, a movie. I feel like of any other medium, would work? Um, I think a movie would be the best because yeah. I mean, we're not. You're not going to find all of this shit in a TV show. Yeah, you're not going to find all of this shit. Oh, my upgrades, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, I lost it yeah. all again. That's not compelling season after season. Yeah, new season, no more powers. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I think a Metroid movie could be cool. I think, I it would think be, so, too. It would be kind of along the lines of, like, an alien movie. Yep. And you're yeah. watching Ridley go through that, but... Not Ridley, Ripley. Yeah. Although Ridley in Metroid was named after... Ridley mm-hmm. Scott, who made Alien. Yep. Fun facts. I think a movie would be cool too. I think there'd be some like logistical things to figure out because I don't think Samus should talk either. So it would have to be a lot of visual storytelling, which I think you oh, could no. pull off and have Samus it still work. Samus definitely needs to talk. And she needs to be either Scarlett Scarlet Johansson or she needs to be Daisy Ridley. And she needs to talk. And we got to see Zero no. Suit Samus. And she's got a fucking little beam whoopy thing. I'm and she needs, to, Samus. And she needs cool. to have the the like Metroid that follows her around, like the good one. That's gotta mm-hmm. be that's gotta be the pet, and it's gotta be cuter than the other ones for some reason biologically, which is like the reason why it's the pet version too. And that's what's gotta sell toys for the kids, so they all want that stuffed Metroid. Yes, Holden. This is if Moana, we're an but Moana is Samus, and the chicken and the pig are the Metroid. And they're just going on a little adventure in the ocean. But it's not the ocean, it's space. And they're alien pirates. <laughs> okay, so she talks. But it's like Judge Dredd. Doesn't talk very often and is usually very dismissive. And like, uh, how do you put it? Like, dismissive, but it's because like, nothing needs to be sh- like said. I just need to get this job done kind of like mentality. But she has um, uh, somebody, Malkovich. I think his name is Malkovich. I can't remember the character's name. There is in in Metroid Fusion, there's like this character that's like your like he gives you mission logs and stuff. His name's Adam something. I think it's Malkovich. And um 
that could be like st- like someone who talks to Samus, but then Samus is always just like dismissing them or like not really even like responding to them while dealing with all the shit around them. I think that'd be kind of cool. But um, in terms of like the Metroid falling thing in Zero Suit, here, here's my idea there. Okay, the structure. You need to have that that you know second to third act moment where Samus loses everything, and that's what makes the stakes high for the third act. Um, and it'd be cool if that's the moment where she like loses her ability, but then she's in zero suit mode and she's trying to do the same things that she was doing with her suit, but now with the zero suit mode, but you know, she's not as capable and she's just about to, to die. And then that Metroid comes in and saves her and like, you see her trying to like roll up into a ball. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing too, is they can't do the morph ball because that would not work in a movie at all. Oh, nope. that would be so. Can you imagine just getting someone the fetal who knows nothing and about like Metroid into and the wall? Like, yeah, like someone knows nothing about Metroid and they're like, oh, Samus is cornered by a bunch of space pirates. Like, how are they going to get out of it? And then she like rolls up into a ball and scoots into like a, like a, like a, like a hole in a wall to get away. And as like a, someone doesn't know Metroid to be like, that was the stupidest like get out of jail free card, like plot armor moment. <laughs> the character just turns into a ball and scuttles away we would get it but there'd be so many people who were like no that was the dumbest moment of the whole movie that yeah. would never work <laughs> it would never work in a movie. <laughs> anyway i didn't mean to go on that tangent that's just, good that's good i want that and that's it for game on game show that is it for our podcast tonight uh episode 218 of respawn aim fire the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast as always you have homework one if you're interested in being a co-host on the show or you know someone reach out to us Affability at affableadius at gmail.com, respondingfire at gmail.com. Tweet at us. Uh, send me a letter addressed to someone from the 1740s and make the letter look like it was written back then. And it's just like a, an artifact out of time that somehow shows up in my mailbox. Isn't there a movie with Keanu Reeves about a time traveling mailbox? The Lake House? I'm... Something like that? Oh, is that make what it's it, about? I make no it idea. the Lake House. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Dip I don't watch a lot of Keanu Reeves in, stuff. Dip the paper in tea and then let it dry and it'll make it look aged yes. and old. Yes, and then I'll throw it off the boat in the Boston Harbor. And that's how tea was made. That's how they learned how to steep tea. Um, yeah, do that. Also, you have a homework gaming-wise to do as well. Our barf backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends this month is Katana Zero. Uh, you all voted for that as our game that we're going to play, so make sure that you are playing it along with us. If you'd like to join us for that conversation at the end of the month, either with your ears or with your mouth, you can do that. <laughs> you can do it with your ears by listening to it after we record it. <laughs> you can do it with your mouth by putting your phone in your mouth as you listen to it, or by being on the show with us and talking live while we record it. Dallas tweeted at me and just said, words of encouragement at Holden Departed. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Remember to tweet your words of encouragement to Holden. Remember to DM me the sketches of Holden. Whatever that means to you. Just pictures of Holden that you've sketched yourself. Um, and then as always, go to patreon.com slash fire. If you'd like to support us, $1 a month gets you dope wallpapers. It gets you game night every single week. And it gets you the ability to vote on what we play for barf every single month. That's it, everybody. I'm trying to find the perfect gift to respond. This always takes me so long sometimes. <laughs> That's important, though. That's the most important part of communication nowadays. It is. It is. You have to type in one word and scroll through until you find it. Like, no, not that. Let me try an additional word here and see if that can, like, narrow it down. And then you keep scrolling and you go from there. Yep. I keep yep. doing it. It's a process. 
Until next time, here's our usual sign-off. Big wheels keep on scrolling. Brown Mary keeps on... Crawfish broil. Crawfish ball. That's what they call it in New Orleans. <laughs> Crawfish ball. <laughs>